Hello and welcome to another episode of Promote the Hell Out of It. My name is Miz and this is the podcast where I chat to people worth shouting about. I decided to drop another bonus episode, feeling generous and all that. Plus this was such a rad conversation. I caught up with my very good friend Lewis Reynolds. Haven't caught up with them for ages. We had so much to talk about. So yeah, this turns into quite a long episode. But I really hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Lewis has played in some amazing bands. Meet Me in St. Louis, uh, Colour, X's or Tropics, depending on when you spoke to them about it. Um, Bookhouse, Real Adventures with a bunch of mates, uh, and the latest project, Park Rager, which the release is an absolute banger. And we have so much to talk about, other than all the wonderful projects. We also talk about work as a frontline postal worker. We talk about being diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. We talk about um, them coming out as a non-binary transgender person. Um, And we really just have a great catch-up because uh, the both of us have been busy and not really uh, the kind of people to shout about everything that's been going on online. So it was absolutely wonderful to have this chat with Lewis. Uh, And I hope you enjoy it. Let me know if you do. If you've got any thoughts, give me a shout. I would love to hear from you. Uh, And if you want to buy me a coffee, that would be awesome. There's a link underneath. Uh, So, yeah, enjoy this episode, yo. What have you been getting up to the past year, I guess, with all this mayhem? Yeah, that's um, (laughs) mostly just staying at home, to be honest. So, my situation is that I um, have a like long-term chronic illness rheumatoid arthritis okay it's an it's an autoimmune disease and unfortunately i take two different immunosuppressant drugs to treat it uh which puts me in the clinically extremely vulnerable category um yeah like and also professionally i'm a frontline postal worker like i work in a delivery office for raw mail so like i have worked some of this year and i'm gonna be honest like those times were really really like scary and um like raw mail hadn't hasn't been doing what she'd been doing in terms of like ppe and making sure the workforce is like staying safe and following the rules of like shielding and isolating and stuff like that like that hasn't happened i i spent a long like i spent a few months when i was at work sort of like at the end of the summer like properly personally campaigning myself to try and get raw mail to start taking a kind of health and safety aspect aspect more seriously like it didn't like it wasn't even mandatory for um, people to wear like masks inside and stuff. It was crazy. So, but yeah, a lot of the time I wasn't even at work. I was shielding at home. So like, it's been a weird, weird yeah. year. Right? Have they made any steps towards changing things? Yeah. So in, in November, um, that's when they made it mandatory. So, I mean, to me, you know, like it, it, to me, like, it's just crazy. As soon as yeah. there was, stuff happening like in march like when they started locking stuff down like instantly it should have been mandatory for postal for workers sure. to be wearing face masks you know yeah, like, that seems obvious you know i mean but anyway but yeah it was it's november when they eventually made it mandatory for people to oh. wear face masks which is but you know it's better than nothing like do you know what i mean but uh, yeah it's been <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah yeah um and like and the thing is as well i think it's one of them things where 
I've never like I don't know like I hate making a fuss about stuff because especially when it comes to stuff with like chronic illness or your health or whatever you don't want to like you don't want to feel like you're trying to get people to kind of go out of their way to like make special kind of things. I get what you mean. Yeah. I get what you, you know mean. What I mean. Yeah, like, for sure. Um, but in this case, I was a bit like, well, you know, this is like kind of life and death, like almost it's a really mean, different like, situation. Yeah, it's and like, I kind of mad. You know what I mean, it's like one of them things. So yeah, I actually did like just kind of take it up on myself because also, you know, I'm I'm a trade unionist. I've been um, a CWU member for like nearly 13 years. Like uh, I was a trade, like um, a political officer for my trade union branch, like briefly oh, cool. as well. Like, I've, I've, you know, I, I truly believe uh, uh, in like unionizing, and like I feel like everyone should, if they can, should join a trade union, like because it's absolutely, especially now, especially now, like it's that's when it shows, yeah, that, how important it is. Like stuff is going to get bad, like real soon for a lot of working people. But um, yeah. but I've, I've got to say, like in this situation, you know, the union weren't really like helping um i think they would to be honest like they were they're more worried about uh literally people losing work like they they kind of would rather keep people at work because they're more worried about people losing work if that makes sense than, than their health and safety which is sad Completely. to say but i guess they've got to do what they've got to do like it's a, it's a tough situation yeah do you yeah it's it's a real tough one um can i ask how do you cope with like keeping positive i guess or do you try and keep positive with how much bombarding there is of like negative news at the moment uh, okay that's a good question um i would say that <laughs> i don't try and force myself to stay positive like i guess there's you know i'm, I'm sure you've heard people use the term like toxic positivity do you know what i mean yeah, absolutely. and i think there comes a, there comes a time when you literally have to like you have to be realistic and accept the fact that stuff is not positive right now. And trying to put a positive spin on a lot of this stuff, like is actually not healthy. Like yeah, absolutely. you shouldn't do that. Like you need to actually recognize all the stuff that is happening right now and how bad it actually is. And like, because it's going to force us all to start like trying to not make it that bad. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, no, no. That's, you know that's I mean? a very good point. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. yeah, like I, a lot of this year, I haven't felt positive at all. Like I've been, I don't know. I, I guess as well in the summer when the weather was nice, like even <laughs> when I was stuck at home, I could go out on the lawn. Like, and I did. Like, you know, we've got a padlet. Like, we've, we're very lucky. Like, in my flat, we've got a garage. It came with a flat, so we just got loads of shit in a garage, like outside. And one of the things that's in there is a fucking paddling pool. So, like, you know, <laughs> I had a paddling Amazing. pool out on the lawn. Like, I, I could at least I could just go outside, and like, it didn't feel so like stifling. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I was like, right, you know, I was, I was writing music. I was like kind of doing a lot of things that capitalism often stops me from doing, like, you know, things that I enjoy, like I'm reasonably introverted actually. So like I spend a lot of time kind of a lot of things that I enjoy doing, things that I enjoy doing on my own, like reading yeah. and, you know, like playing guitar, like, yeah, like I, I probably got better at guitar, like actual six string guitar. Cause I'm, I'm mainly <laughs> a bassist, you know, like I, yeah. I got a lot better at guitar, like in the summer because I was just playing, guitar more, you know, and it was like, and that kind of stuff, it, it felt like nice. I was like, fuck. Okay. But then when the kind of reality of like, kind of actually being, having to go back to work and being like, hold on a second. Like there's yeah. the number, like the, the government said that obviously the numbers had to be like this, if they were going to start sending like people back to work they're not that like what's going on and obviously then being back at work and realizing how bad obviously the health and safety stuff was there and like just yeah. the actual reality of everything you know like i've been so so privileged to not have to deal with the reality of things for a few months despite obviously being like yeah. stuck at home like do you know what i mean 
And then when, when I did, like, that's when it was a bit like, right, but this is really bad. Sorry if I keep, I keep swearing. I'm not sure. No, 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 you're, no, you're good. It's absolutely fine. Um, we swear all the time on the podcast. Um, no, I, I completely get you. And, and I think that I'm definitely guilty of that because, you know, I, we got sent home from work pretty quick when everything happened. Mm. And then I, I quit that job shortly after that and have just been working from home. So it's not, it's not until you're in the situation where you're forced to do that kind of stuff and no one's looking out for you that you realise how bad it is. Yeah, totally. So, but wait, okay. Yeah, go on. I just want to say, like, not to leave it like, you know, uh, I um, feel like totally like negative about everything. Like, one thing I will say, and this is one thing that I always try and keep in mind about everything all the time, is that nothing is permanent. Like, I know that yeah. this is probably going to stretch on for a lot longer here than it should do. But <laughs> absolutely. Like, but it won't be permanent, and like we will get back to be able to do like the things that we love. I think that's the thing, especially like for, for those of that's us that all of the joy in their lives pretty much comes from like music, you know. And and, and basically that's like live music, isn't it? You know, like when when you take that away, and that's been your whole life, like literally since you were like twelve years old. Like it's kind of like oh wow, like <laughs> things are you know like as much as I say I'm introverted, yeah. like which like, I, and I am, but then like all of the stuff that is social to me is like stuff that doesn't exist right now, you know? Yeah, completely. And, and, and I'm like, very wow. similar in that way. Yeah. I'm very similar in that way. Uh, we stay at home 90% of the time. Um, and we like it that way, but it's things like going to shows and, uh, and just like spontaneous things that happen when we're not in the situation. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, Exactly. And we got lucky. We moved out of London to to Kent area just because it's a bit. You've got a bit more space and uh, and stuff. Um, but even then, just going for a walk is horrible because there's so many dicks around. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. many people are inconsiderate, complete assholes. <laughs> yeah, but and, and you know what though? Like I kind of, I I just don't. I I try to never ever ever like get mad at people you know <laughs> at just like at the populace do you know what I mean like at everyone else yeah, yeah, because yeah. ultimately everyone's just trying to do what they can to get through this and like no one has faith in the people in charge right no one believes anything they're <laughs> saying like so and how, how do you like you know there are those of us that are always going to err on the side of caution and that's fair enough and those that aren't like but I don't necessarily think that makes them bad people necessarily like yeah yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I, like, I get you, but it's infuriating, and I, I've got to get better at not getting annoyed. But, but I, no, but like, yeah, and it's understandable to get annoyed. Like, but also it's just like, but you know, I, I was just pointing that annoyance at the people in charge because they're the people yeah, that have let it get true. like let it be this way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not it's not our fault. You know, it's not our fault. So. Yeah, it's so good to chat to you, Lewis. Uh, it's been too long, right? Yeah, I was trying to remember when the last time we actually saw each other was. Well, I, I, do you know what? I don't even know when the last time we saw each other was, but it's, it's been a long ass time. It might have been seven, uh, the Seven Door Tattoo Studio when it opened. Where? When was uh, that? I'm like, do you know what? Like before we, with you know, like when we said we were going to do this, I, I made kind of like I was like, okay, I better make a timeline of like just things <laughs> that I have done, so I can like re, you know kind of refer to the to refer to it and actually get it right. Because otherwise, in the future, if I'm talking about stuff on here and I'm getting all the years wrong and everything, that is going to bug bug me like real ah, it's so good it's so bug good me real bad but um yeah i think like when did we first meet probably around 2011 
first met. I reckon we met um, around 2011. I reckon that's where about 10 years ago. It was whatever happened to P Rock. Uh, yeah, about 10 years ago, I think. Yeah, that because makes sense. It was when because that, that was around the time. So we put out that Real Adventures demo, like that two songs oh, of Real Adventures so recorded <laughs> in 2011. Like that's that's the year that we did that. And I think that I listened year, to that again today. <laughs> I like it. Well, I mean, you know, like so um the band that I'm kind of that I have now, like that we just kind of put out this new EP yeah. is with Dom, who was one of the guitarists in Real oh, Adventures legend. as well. Yeah, yeah. Who is like a you know, one of my very, very close friends, like Dom's lovely. Yeah, yeah, Park Ranger, that is such a good uh release. And uh, it's always exciting to get new music from you. Um, yeah, I'm so happy to have actually recorded some like new music properly it's really do you know what actually i remember the last time that we kind of spoke like over there over the internet i think we were kind of like and actually i feel really bad because i sort of realized that we'd said like we're gonna link up and maybe like try and figure out doing some music (laughs) together and i completely bailed out on it but i remember you had like been making some stuff i'd like checked out online that was you know kind of like indie kind of like with like more kind of like spoken word kind of vocals and like i was like you know i'd be really up for like making some music it'd be just super fun to hang out um and i remember at the time you being like oh but like i don't know you know if you'd be like that into the stuff that i'm doing rah rah and i was like man like i'm super into this stuff like <laughs> it, it's really funny because it was like kind of reminded me of why and i'd literally like it was either just before or That's just it. after i've been to see why do like the 10 year anniversary <laughs> um alopecia do you know what i mean such a great album yeah I love that album so um much. and i mean and that show was absolutely like amazing as well it was they were great like, i still have never watched them and would have would loved to uh, do, do you know what? I hadn't seen them. That, that's actually the first time I saw them live, right? And it was really cool because it was with, like, weirdly, it was with the kind of bunch of people that I had got into Y with, like, 10 years before. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it yeah. was with, who, like... Who um, else played? I, I don't even know. I don't even know who else played the show. <laughs> uh, I got there, like, just before Y started playing, so... Um, but, yeah, because it was with other people from other bands. Like, um, did you ever hear of a band called Data Select Party? Like... No, I don't think I did. Okay, but like, so a band that I was in called Color, like, used to tour with this band, Data Select Party, and I'm still like okay. good pals with like <laughs> some of the guys from that band, and like, yeah, it was with a couple of those guys and some other people from oh, around awesome. that time. Like, it was really cool. Yeah, no, um, everything. Just to be honest, it was weird timing because when we were chatting last time, we were pet sitting, so we were traveling around the UK looking after other people's pets, um, and beginning of last year we moved into london for a bit and then obviously all the mayhem started pretty after that oh yeah um so yeah it's just been a weird few years to be honest um from like for us especially we went to barcelona and then went traveling asia um so we went around and missed a load of gigs which was upsetting um everyone keeps mentioning awesome gigs that i missed yeah but i think you were probably doing something better (laughs) to be honest you know what it's weird because you come back and you're like in such a different place and everyone's talking about stuff that you weren't there for so it's odd do you know i've never done that i've never done that kind of traveling i've never been to um asia like uh i've never yeah i've never sort of done any of the kind of like backpacker kind of traveling like that like which i would and I, i would have loved to have done it but unfortunately like it's just my health is just for me really something that's going to stop me doing that now like not that i wouldn't love to but it would just be like logistically it's kind of hard to do that stuff like you know completely completely and you know we worried about the same the same stuff because our health isn't isn't great especially mental health more than anything um and yeah. we were working whilst being out there so we didn't 
we were working every day because we worked from home. Oh, um, okay. And we basically didn't tell anyone we were going. Oh, well, I mean, okay. That's kind of a cool way to do it. Like, if you can do that. Yeah, we tested it. We we tested it by moving from from Brighton to Barcelona and not telling any of our clients. Um, and that went well. So then we were like, let's take it one step further. And we went out there and we we traveled Vietnam, Malaysia and Thailand, but we weren't like backpacking. We'd stay in like a nice Airbnb and like stay two, three weeks and like work and travel at the same time. So it was quite chilled. Oh, okay. That's uh, maybe I could do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely places you could go and spend six months in Chiang Mai quite easily yeah, and have an real. amazing and just time. Like, yeah, probably be all right. And it's dead cheap. Um, I just worry about meds. I just worry about getting meds, like, you know, because... Uh, well, you know, Thailand specifically, you can literally go to the pharmacy and order any medication you want <laughs> without yeah, having... <laughs> yeah. Okay. which is great if you need Valium. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, unfortunately, like, they're kind of, you know, like some of the meds that I take are like, it's an injection, do you know what I mean? It lives in the fridge. Like, it's a bit of a weird one. Like, this is the thing, like, yeah. stuff like that, right, that would have never occurred. You know, I spent many years, like, touring, you know, like, in tiny vans, like, sleeping on floors every yeah. night. Like, um, that kind of shit just doesn't occur. You know, and I was actually very privileged again to get to do that stuff when I was young, like from 18 till I was about 23 was the prime time. I was doing that stuff, right? So I was really young when I was doing that. Um, and it was when I was, yeah, so it was in my kind of like, well, I think, yeah, I was probably around 23 when I first started noticing like joint problems, yeah? Wow. And it kind of progressively got worse and worse and worse. It didn't get, um diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis till i was like 28 maybe 28 27 28 um like and i get and to be honest i'm you know i would admit that i probably in those in those few years like when i'd kind of noticed that i probably had a problem and you know i'd go to the doctor and they obviously wouldn't know what it was and they'd kind of come up with some idea and then it wouldn't be that and then it'd just be like well all right you know i've got to keep on keeping on so we just would it would yeah. just get worse and obviously all that time i was like a postman um i was playing like gigs all the time i was like just you know like being young and like drinking too yeah, much of course. and like just you know like wrecking my body really and not looking after it and probably making the the um the situation worse for myself like really do you know what i mean yeah. but in high, you know, it's high pitch, isn't it? Right. That's it. No, for sure. What were the the signs? So it was particularly bad um, in one of my knees. Like that's the thing. Like one of my knees just gradually got more and more and more swollen until the point where I was like crippled. I couldn't walk. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I was just in yeah. agony. And um, it wasn't until I eventually got someone did a surgery. Like I got um, because. I can't remember what kind of specialist they were, but they were like, okay, like I'm just going to cut open your knee and have a look inside, basically. And they did, and they did a biopsy, and that's when they were like, oh, we think you might have like some kind of inflammatory yeah. arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis. And I was like, oh, right, okay. Um, so I remember coming to hang out with you after you'd got your knee tattooed, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. and you were stumbling around. Was that before or after you'd. So when I got my knees tattooed, like, so one of my knees, yeah it's like almost solid black right and to be yeah. honest i'm gonna say like you know shout out taylor he's one of my best mates as well like <laughs> but like um it 
like I got the outlines done and I was like, I could hardly, I sat really badly, like stupidly, I got like the outlines done together on the same day, both. And I like sat really yeah. badly, like I could hardly sit still, but especially for that right one, because my, you know, my my right knee was already like playing up pretty bad by that point. And then like, he ended up doing it to solid black. So I think like some of the lines were like, not what they should have been and stuff. So he's just like, fuck it, I'll just make it really black. Like, and then it doesn't matter. And yeah. it looked gnarly as hell, but like also, <laughs> my knee was just like completely fucked. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, which is kind of funny. I don't know. Again, it's just like I think back to those stuff. I'm just like, you know, I was putting myself through hell, like, but yeah, for sure. Like... for sure. You know, it's it's weird because my right knee is completely jacked up uh, from one, and it started like whilst we were traveling, mm. um, and I've and I've never got it sorted. Uh, so it, conversations like this always give me a nudge to be like, I should really go get that checked out at some point. Yeah, I would. You know, I would say to everyone that's suffering with any kind of like ailments, like persevere. Yeah, go to, like when you go to the doctor and they don't want to really like do too much to help, right? You gotta just persevere with that stuff. Like, just yeah, don't yeah. stop until they're like doing stuff. Don't stop until they're sending you to the hospital for a consultation. Don't stop. Don't <laughs> stop. Don't stop. Because like. Yeah, it, like you because things can just go left unchecked for a long time and just get worse and worse and then end up causing you like some serious, serious trouble like later on. Do you know what I mean, I'm for I'm 33 years old and I'm like, you know, I'm damaged like badly already. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, I can I can relate a lot. Um, I so let's talk about. I don't even know where to start because you've done a lot of projects that uh that I've liked, but I guess. Part of what's interesting taking this conversation into account is how difficult it would be for you to, to tour now, right? Well, I think like, yeah, okay. I mean, it's doable because that's the thing. I was, I've only really started thinking about that because, you know, I've got um, a, a, re, a punk rock band right now that I actually love. It's with two, yeah. of my be- so two of my like best longstanding friends as well who I've also played in other bands with. Like, you know, there's never, like, there's no stress of it at all. Like, it's just three best mates like, writing music together. Um and it's like, I also like the fact that, like, it's not cool. Like, we ain't trying to be cool. Like, we're just <laughs> literally writing, like, music that we love. It's pop punk, you know? Like, it's a pop punk band, yeah, yeah. essentially. Like, I'll call it what it is. It's a pop punk band. I don't mind saying that. Um, but, like, yeah. And, like, I've not really thought about it. And I think, yeah, we, so we got this recording done last year as well. Like, it was, uh, we'd start, we had it booked in to record, to, to record it in March. We started recording it in March, got like oh, a, a little yeah. bit of it done, got like a little bit of it done. And then obviously like everything got shut down and we were like, right, fine, yeah. that's fine. We'll just leave it. So we left it, obviously like couldn't do anything all summer. And then I think like at the end of the summer, they would like really like relaxed most of the restrictions a lot. And we were like, okay, cool. We're going to like finish recording it. Uh, and I think nice. in September, in September, we finished recording it. Um, and then it took like it took ages, like because we had to then kind of um, mix. Like to be fair, a very good friend of ours recorded it, like produced it. You know, he's an incredible um, produ- engineer and producer, incredible musician and songwriter. Uh, Tom Keach, shout out, see the studios. Nice. Like, um, yeah, we're so lucky again. Like, it's it's such a privilege that we got to like do it um, with Tom because he's incredible and he he made it better than it would have been otherwise. Do you know what I mean? Like. And I think that's the thing, like none of us were really kind of expecting it, especially because of how it all sort of come about. And like, you know, like 
last year was such a mess and we were like the recording yeah. got all kind of split apart and then like you know we couldn't get together to mix it we were like kind of relying on tom to do loads for us and then just kind of bounce back and forth like on zooms you know and stuff like yeah but it just came out like i think better than either so good yeah like it just it just it really like you know it it makes me emotional like listen to it it's, it's <laughs> like i don't know i think it's different as well because i i sing the leads in this um and like it's probably the most honest thing that i've ever written like lyrically you know sit okay so this is the first music i've made since i uh came out as being like a transgender person you know like i um yeah. identify as like non-binary uh, and i've kind of publicly came out like last year i guess like on instagram there was a lot of stuff you know i don't know how how much you've kind of seen um but the you know the tories are really trying to roll back like transgender rights in this country it's actually really scary for transgender people yeah. right now um and so i kind of do you know what i felt i was a bit like i feel like i should publicly just come out and, and say like you, you know a lot of you don't know this about me but a lot of you just know transgender people that you probably don't even know a transgender whatever like you you know like there's loads of us here Completely. like we're all out here you know Completely. like it's really scary and um so i kind of did it and that's the thing i think this like this is actually a record where like i guess for, for the first time ever like i'm actually being myself like truly on it you know yeah. what i mean um, completely and yeah that's amazing that's it, amazing it and seems really important in a way um and and the lyric like there are you know there's one song particularly that is literally a bit but it's about being trans you know, so it's kind of like yeah it's like no i like i say it it's it's funny you say that because I've always been a fan of your lyrics. Um, you're always very clever with them or touch on, on things that even in retrospect, I've been upon like even the real adventures one. I remember you, there was a line about the, like the hypocrisy in the scene and, <laughs> and things like that, that, that wouldn't, that I wouldn't get that line for probably another three or four years until is, I was like, holy shit. Do, do you know what though? I actually, it's really funny that you say that. And like, I really appreciate you even like kind of like touching on those things. But like, um, I kind of read those lyrics back and it, they make me like cringe a little bit. Cause I'm almost like, Oh I man. Do you know what I mean? completely get that too. For sure. I was like, I, I was almost being like a hypocrite, like for, for kind of writing yeah. those lyrics in a way, like, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. but you know, I, I would say that like, one of my favorite um punk bands like from the of the early noughties is Latterman and like Latterman are a band <laughs> that have literally just you know like lyrically they inspired me more than anything and also like they just taught me a lot of stuff by like you know they were the only bands that I knew of that were literally talking about like sexism in punk rock and like being like yeah. we just need to like stop all this toxic masculine bullshit and like you know kind of they were almost like a queer without being a queer band they were almost a queer band you know like it was kind of like and and that really inspired me and they just talked about community and community action and like and doing stuff where you live do you know what i mean like not just fucking off the first chance you get like staying and like making stuff good there you know like and i don't know there's just a lot of things that they talk about that really resonated with me um and I think like I did try to kind of bring that. The, it's sad actually. There were more real adventure songs that we wrote that never got recorded. But again, like I, <laughs> I'd really started like talking about like community and stuff like in the lyrics, and that that's something that was always has has always been something that's really like kind of important to me. So I mean, I feel like I guess being being like working class as well, or whatever. It's like kind of something. that's it. And I think that's where a lot of the a lot of us. 
our original urge to to go to the punk community whatever it was was because we wanted to fit in and and had that angst towards something even if at the time we couldn't really point the finger at it if that mm. makes any sense yeah yeah absolutely. Um, because I don't think I was fully aware of why I was angry as a teenager I just knew that I was really angry <laughs> that's that's basically as much as like I was able to summarize um and it's also I think like the fact that you say that looking back at those lyrics um can be cringy I think it's a lot of growth in that time right yeah um sure. and what you said about being honest with yourself but it was like the amount of time that's gone by and the amount you grow as a person is incredible. Yeah, totally. Um, like, you know, I don't, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of like, I don't look back and like regret, regret. It's like, it's funny as well. I just think like that whole time I was really like struggling personally with like, like I was trying to like hyper masculine, like kind of like masculine, what, I can't even say the word. I don't even know if it's a word I'm trying to say. But, like, I was trying to be as much of a man, right, as I could be at that time, yeah. you know? Like, in my 20s, right? Like, really trying hard to be a man. Um, and, like, it, it's so funny. Like, I, I often say now that, like, for a lot of those years, I had both a literal beard that was actually a metaphorical beard. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? And, and it's kind of like, that. that's the thing. It's like when I kind of look back at that stuff and I'm like, oh, like imagine what I would have been writing if I was actually being myself. <laughs> completely. It's it's funny you say that though, because that's not my, um, my memory of you. Yeah. Although what you said is completely true, but the reason I've always had a really like fond memory of you is because of, I guess quite the opposite, like how we interacted and, um, being able to feel like I could talk to you because I've always struggled talking to people and opening up to people. Mm. Um, and that there's very few people from that era that I remain in contact with. And it's like Alex Mills is, is one of them, for example, and he's uh, someone else that I've always just felt I could like reach out to kind of thing. Oh yeah. He's a, um, he's a lovely, lovely person. But yeah, the, the, the people that I've got memories with are about like, I guess I didn't hang out uh with with people as much as as others maybe so my memories are more of like one-on-one -on -one interactions with them yeah absolutely um and that really touches me and brings a tear to my eye you saying that makes like i really 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 appreciate that like i'm i'm so glad that that's like that you felt that you could talk to me always that's really really beautiful to hear that no absolutely absolutely um so what happened to was it book house yeah so uh, <laughs> i was I mean, listening like, to that as well i've been catching what? up do you know what right i feel like actually should we just do you want to go back to the beginning and like let's talk about like meet me and St. lewis a little i mean how let's do, we, do one by one yeah, let's like, go through them yeah let's go have, through them like do you know what i mean like, yeah, I don't wanna... as long as you want as cool. long as you want it's okay good. so yeah because that's the thing is like it's weird as well because a lot of the bands that i kind of played in of like i guess kind of people have crossed over and they've been like you know uh, people that I played in bands with in my like 20s are some people that I played in bands with when I was like literally 15 you know it's really weird like yeah. people have like come in and out of my life in a weird way um but yeah so I joined Meet Me in St. Louis which is probably the most well-known kind of like <laughs> band that I've played in um that's left you know more of a kind of legacy I guess and um, I joined yeah. Meet Me in St. Louis when I was 17 that was in 2005 like 
and and then do you know what? Like, I also just love the way that I joined Henry St. Louis because it was like I'd never met any of them. I didn't know any of them at all, right? I had put up like at my mum. So like, I still lived at my mum's house when I was like seventeen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like, you know, I'm not going to go into too much what my kind of like upbringing was like or my relationship with my mum, but it was a bit weird. Um, but like, part of that weirdness was that you know I I could sort of like. I could like get away with like having bands crash at the house. Like, I would put people up sometimes if they were like playing like in South London and needed someone to crash or like stuff like that. You know what I mean? I've been going to like DIY punk shows literally since I was about 14. Like, you know, I kind of like knew, you know, I was like kind of in, you know, into the kind of like punk and hardcore scene quite a lot and stuff like that. So like a band that um, like at that time uh, from Leeds called Test Which Isolator, uh shout out if any of the members of Tesla Isolate hear this like <laughs> I hope you're all doing great. Like you are all beautiful. I still love all of you. Like I hope uh, they're probably playing in bands and stuff still. I mean um but yeah they were this like crazy kind of like grind core band like it was like really like but it's kind of like silly it was like jazz grind kind of like really fun kind of stuff. Um Sounds but yeah fun. I just so I just happened to put this band up at my house one night like they stayed over obviously you know kind of became friends whatever and obviously like added each other on myspace one of them posted on myspace um like meet me in st lewis's page being like oh i've discovered this really cool band meet me in st lewis had just recorded a free track demo yeah like and put it on their myspace so i went on their myspace listened to it on their myspace it said oh we need a basis like if you want to oh, like, nice if you want to try out like just send us a message or whatever so that's exactly what I did, you know, like I wasn't playing in a band that I particularly liked at the time. Um, I thought the songs were really cool. It was like also like at a time when I was just getting more into like a lot of different stuff. You know what I mean, I'd very much been like a sort of like a punk teenager. Um, and then when I kind of hit like probably like 16, I guess a lot more sort of like emo kind of stuff like but that kind yeah. of i guess it was like third wave like emo and kind of like poppy spremo kind of stuff was like coming out right and i started to get really into that stuff i remember i was really into like kind of um like thrice like well, i mean thrice is still a band and like kind of a big band I think. yeah but like they put yeah, out this yeah. record like the artist in the ambulance which is kind of like love that kind of head, you know I mean? yeah it's such a great record like i mean i love i so i got into thrice um when their first album came out um identity crisis i got a sampler okay, yeah. i got a sampler uh in 2000 i think it was like the hopeless and subsidy records 2000 sampler and it had um identity crisis off identity crisis on that was the first time i heard price <laughs> and fell in love with price from hearing them that first song like nice but um yeah i remember like at the time around that time when i was maybe like 16 ish that's when ice and the ambulance came out and that was like a lot more do you know what i mean it was like it was kind of heavy-ish, but like still very like kind of punky almost. Like, but then like yeah, very completely. like it was very like melancholy sounding. Do you know what I mean? It was like very kind of like yeah, like I know I got that, and that was like a kind of real big record for me. And I guess I was looking into kind of heavier stuff, but then more kind of technical and melodic stuff, and like branching out. And I guess yeah, hearing you know Mimi and Lewis at that time, it was kind of a good time, you know, to hear it. So I was like, oh, this is cool. This is different. Like. I don't really know any, like, there's no bands that I know that sound yeah. like this. Do you know what I mean? I was like, wicked. For sure, for sure, yeah. So did you audition? Yeah, so I literally messaged them and was like, can I come down and try out? They were like, yeah. Um, I went down, like, they were based in Guildford, which ain't that far from Croydon, which is where I yeah. um, grew up. And actually, I still, I live in Croydon now. Uh, but yeah. 
I got the train down to Guildford. Uh, I'd like learned the free songs like off the demo, like on the MySpace. Went down there, played. They were like, "Fuck yeah!" Like, because and as well, like you know, the, those free songs are still pretty raffy. Like, I had to like count. I had to learn. I had to like to learn the yeah, songs. Yeah, I just yeah. had to like count everything. Do you know what I mean? And again, it was the first time that I was really learning stuff where I properly had to count everything, and it was exciting. Oh, you right. know? <laughs> like I was like really into it. Um, so yeah, like, I went down. I'd learned the songs. I think like pretty much bang on. I remember like I think Toby who sang had like recorded face and was like oh he was like oh like yeah like it's pretty much perfect he's like you know there's a couple of like notes or whatever different i was like oh wicked um and also just chatted to them i remember like i can't remember what i think maybe i was wearing like a bronx t-shirt like when i went to that first um there you go and it was either that or norma jean i don't know if you remember the band norma jean as well <laughs> yeah, like, yeah so absolutely. I was, it was either a norma jean t-shirt or a bronx t-shirt when i went down to the first i remember like full the drummer uh, again, who's like I'm still really good friends with all the members of Mutants of Earth, and like we other men, like you know some of the members played in other bands as well. But um, Paul being like, "Oh, I love Norma Jean," and the or like the Bronx, <laughs> so I mean, being like wicked. And then obviously they asked me to come back for another like you know another tryout sort of thing, and I did. And like again, like he was like, "Oh, I love that, I love that band," like, and, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, wicked." Um, and then yeah, the second time we went to try it out, they were like, "Yo, man!" I think on that second rehearsal, we started writing some stuff that would be one of the one or two of the songs that were on the, the first ep as well do you know what i mean we started writing some stuff together like in that nice. second tryout and they were like dude like yeah join the band so how was that process like if you've just started learning like that kind of music what was the writing process like did it come quite naturally to you yeah i think like it was so great for me because you know um I think at 17, 18, like I was already like a pretty proficient, like kind of punk and hardcore bassist. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. I could play really fast and like I could, you know, I was like, I've always had a really good ear for like melody. I think that's one of the things, like, um, especially like in the Meet Me and St. Louis kind of stuff, like, some of it's so mad tech, like, but yeah, for sure. It's all super melodic, you know? Like, yeah. I, I always like hang on to melodies. Like, I've, I've always like kind of had this thing of like, and that, and that's just from like you know listening to like kind of melodic punk like growing up. That's like all the stuff that I really love. I guess absolutely. You know I mean? um, but then I guess you know I was by the time I'd um, by the time I tried to meet me in St Louis, I already started getting into stuff like Converge and like you know like some mad kind of te- and like Dillinger Escape Plan and some like real like techie, <laughs> nice. some real techie hardcore stuff. Do you know what I mean? And like oh and you know and like Norma Jean and I think I discovered Botch like not long before I joined me in St Louis. So it kind of like that yeah. stuff made sense. You know what I mean. Um, but you know, I don't really think that Me, Miss and Lewis went that way so much until the album. Do you know what I mean? Like the EP is still like a proper indie record to me. Like it's mathy. Yeah. It's mathy, but it's not a hard, it's not like such a hardcore record, you know? I get um, you completely. Like it wasn't until like the kind of the stuff we started writing for the album where I think by that point it was like Ollie uh, who played guitar and I had like just really we were like, yo, we can like really push each other to like write mad stuff like <laughs> do you know what i mean like we can we we you know we started fret tapping like there's not there's there's like only one tiny little bit of fret tapping like on the guitar on the ep and then on the album like both of us just started fret tapping loads like you know um and it's like yeah it was one of those things where i think everyone like just we just all really started pushing each other like um paul again you know it's just like an insanely talented drummer and like obviously had this really individual style of playing because he only played with a kick drum and a snare drum and a hi-hat and one ride cymbal like no toms no crash cymbal like (laughs) you know what i mean it was like and so we kind of had to like make it you know like the rhythm section had to be doing like weird stuff to kind of keep it you know like i don't know yeah yeah completely 
it was just a real like that's the thing with Meet Me in St. Louis. It kind of it definitely blossomed. Like I, you know, I will I will say like I think that me joining that band like it it was part of what kind of got it to be what it was in the end. Do you know what I mean? Like I think we we really like all of us like grew like playing together over like two years of like you know it was really cool. Um, but then sadly I think because of that like because of that kind of drastic change in what the music kind of became like it just meant that Toby who sang like it wasn't really the kind of music that he was into you know yeah that's it like he just wasn't into that stuff like he was never into hardcore and stuff like um you know he wasn't an emo kid like so and was it the album that kind of drove like him to realize that I guess yeah for real like we, we you know we kind of finished doing the album and like we kind of started doing tours kind of post the album and like yeah i think quite quickly toby was like i'm really sorry guys but like i just you know i, I can't do this like it's not yeah it's not my stuff anymore you know like i'm just not into it and like i remember i was devastated i think everyone was devastated to be honest and we did yeah we definitely toyed with the idea of like um carrying on trying to get another singer we did like a tour or maybe even two tours like or a tour and a half actually because we broke up on one of those tours uh instrumental like without a singer you know okay yeah um but Did yeah. it just never feel the same after that yeah uh like when we actually broke up we were literally on tour like and um it was like we hadn't planned on breaking up or anything like that like uh i think what happened was paul like our drummer like he um he had some stuff like maybe like the van had been like left open or something or something bad had happened like that and like he his laptop or something had got stolen or like maybe even oh, some more shit. stuff and like everyone was super stressed out at this point and like not having a good time and he was just like i think it was kind of the last draw that probably came was back and he kind of threw a bit of a like he threw his toys out of pram so to speak and um i yeah. think he was kind of expecting all of us to be like ah, oh, don't worry like it's fine we'll sort it out but we didn't we were all just like yo yeah sure like let's call it <laughs> like that's it Done. yeah you know um how, how long had you been touring by that point so, I mean, that was in 2008. I think, yeah, we split up at the start of 2008. We were on tour and we split up. I mean, we'd done a lot of tours over the previous, like, two years. I mean, when... Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, yeah. I can't, I can't say, like, maybe that, the previous year to that, we'd been, like, you know, there was, like, a six-month period where I think most of it we were, like, on tour. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because we did, like, two tours back-to-back at one point. And then, you know, we had, like, a couple of months off and then had, like, another tour, um, which is cool. Like, we, you know, again, like, one of the best things about me and Miss and Lewis is we got to tour lows. Like, you know, we saw Eastern Europe, which is crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, we got to tour with bands that we loved. Yeah. Oh, that's the, I think that's the thing that, um, that you want when you join a punk band, isn't it, really, is just to travel and play with, bands that you looked up to yeah that's um, it. Like, so if you've ticked that off well, like, I mean, amazing you know it's, it's crazy for me like the first show that i played with meet and lewis yeah we were supporting like the band jerus um who i was like really so into like when i joined like they're a band from kent yeah they're like a uk band and like some people that i was like mates with again because i was like just super younger than everyone like a couple like some people that i was like mates with um like knew a couple of them i think like they were a few years older than me and like got got me into yeah. jerus and then i joined me in st louis and it was like first show was with jerus jerus loved us they're like yo we're going on this tour in eastern europe do you want to come with us nice. we're like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, of course <laughs> um and that and that's always with 
Jerris, second and second small and again second small were another new like kind of like kind of screamo band at the time who i was mad into for exactly the same reason like some kind of some slightly older friends of mine had like got me got me into them and i was just like mad into them and then we just got to like do this <laughs> tour and i was like what like this is crazy that's very cool yeah yeah um and again like you know, yeah go on i was just gonna say and all of those like people like we got to do loads of stuff with, you know, we went on so many tours together. Like, you know, we like, when we like recorded the EP, we crashed at like Jim from um, Jerris's house, like while we were down there, like, and like, you know, just like all of those people, we just became really close friends. And like, it was a real community at that time, like such a good community. But the, the kind of UK, I guess like, and like math rock scene like it was a very diy like punk scene you know and like yeah. in like the early yeah well say no the mid the mid to late noughties you know like 2005 to kind of 2010 like that was like, kind of like a house in time there was like a mad scene and like just yeah like, i feel like it was popping off like in a big way <laughs> <laughs> how how long from that coming to an end before you make new music well, from Mimi St. Louis. Yeah. I joined Colour instantly. They'd already asked me if I oh, was. Oh, really? To, yeah. So, like, <laughs> Colour is another incredible band that, you know, Mimi St. Louis was very lucky to, like, get to play with a bunch that they support us loads of times. Yeah. Um, and, as, and as well, like, I was way younger than everyone in Mimi St. Louis. Like, I think Ollie uh, is maybe the one that's closest to my age, and he's five years older than me. Like, Paul and <laughs> Benny, I mean, like, Benny is, like, 10 years older than me, you know? yeah like um and like the guys in color are like more like around a similar age to me as well you know and i think they kind of had like revolving bass players like for a while um and they sort of asked me like oh would you be up for like doing it and i was like i mean i just was like i was like i'd love you guys i'd love to but i just can't right now because it meet me to lewis like i just wouldn't be able to yeah. commit any time to doing it so like as soon as um kind of i knew that st lewis was over i just said oh do you guys still need someone to play bass? <laughs> and they were like yeah so I joined and again, like that was great. Like I love, like I still love those guys so much. Like I've seen, I think the one I've seen most recently is Trude. Uh, he plays drums like, and you know, he's, um, well, he's like a, like a superstar professional drummer now. Like that's what he does for a living. <laughs> he's just like one of the best drummers I've ever seen in my life, let alone got the pleasure to play with. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? yeah i'm really i've been so, so lucky like actually as a bassist like i've played with some really really like fantastic drummers like again it's a privilege like that's a privilege you know yeah um but yeah like i joined color straight away uh although to be fair that didn't really last too long like i think i joined in 2008 um and then the last ever color show was like the following year like september 2009 okay so yeah, I think it's it's kind of sad actually. Like I joined Color, I think at a time when Color was getting some some kind of recognition, um, and like there were kind of people interested in kind of like managing Color and like putting out music for Color, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, like Big, Big Scary Monsters, um, who had put out the Mimi St. Lewis album, like put out like some singles for Color, and like then they've released like the Color anthology, like which is just everything okay, Color yeah. had like recorded, which is great. But like there were kind of, kind of some. Um, there was like management people kind of sniffing around, you know, when I joined Color and uh, like yeah. George, who played guitar, uh, who went on to be a Luna George, like he's a really incredible producer. 
<laughs> like he's an incredible musician, an incredible producer, and he went on to be a very, very successful like pop music producer. Like, and that's what he still does. Nice. That's what he still does for a living. Um, oh wow! Like shout out George Reed. Like he's awesome. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I think at the time he was kind of trying to push color to kind of go more down the kind of like straight up like indie route and just kind of get signed and like do that stuff. Whereas yeah, I feel like Alan, on the other hand, who sang and played guitar. Uh, never kind of really wanted that and like his idea of having me join the band is that color could get even more technical and like more like <laughs> progressive and more mathy do you know what i mean yeah and i was kind of more on that side of things you know i was just like hell like you know like heck yeah let's let's write some mad <laughs> and and you know we, makes sense completely yeah yeah and we and do you know what like we we didn't write that many songs like in my time in color i think there was one two three four five i think we only put out five songs like five new songs in the time that i was in color but um some of those that's songs, still quite a lot of songs for that short a period of time to be i honest. guess it was over like a year maybe or like a bit okay, like, yeah. maybe like 18 months to a year so it, i still felt like we could have done a lot more but yeah it was just a bit yeah. of a weird it was a weird time like we were kind of pushing and pulling in different directions i think and that's kind of what eventually made it stop but then if color had never stopped then we wouldn't have tangled hair which is like <laughs> so like you know alan and drew still will do tangled hair even though it's like a very sporadic thing but like uh and obviously shout out alex who plays bass in tangled hair um but yeah like tangled hair are incredible and if color had never stopped then there wouldn't be tangled hair so you know all kind of yeah all ties together yeah it all ties together um but then yeah like even before color broke up um, I had started playing in another band with uh, Paul from Minions and Lewis, a drummer, um, and his friend uh, Jody Cox, who's also now a very, very good friend of mine as well, um, who had played in Bullet Union. Like, I don't remember if you, I don't know if you remember the band Bullet Union, but they were like really awesome. Jody, like, now plays in Earth uh, with like Dylan Carlson, I don't know, as in Earth, the incredibly famous like Doom band. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, Jody is, like... (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, Jody, um, he was, like, a promoter uh, for many, many years, and he did, like, European booking for loads of, like, amazing kind of um, post-metal bands and, like, Doom bands, like, Isis, uh, um, and, like, you know, some other really cool, like, post-hardcore bands. Like, he was a booking agent for These Arms of Snakes for years. And, like, just a bunch of super cool, like, Blood Brothers as well. Like, he was just... He always went with loads of cool bands and played in really cool bands. And, um yeah he had done this band called tropics with uh with some other people dad kind of like fizzled out i think and he like him he'd asked paul to kind of like start jamming with him and they also needed someone to play bass and they asked me and they got ollie from st louis to play guitar so we were like oh cool this is sick and uh so we started doing that um for like well i mean actually that band technically lasted for ages i think i started doing that in 2009 and then we actually released an album in 2014 <laughs> yeah i was going to say that's always something i heard you talk about and i think i even tried booking you for something and it never quite like worked out yes i mean we changed so before we actually released any music we changed the name to um to x's because as well (laughs) tropics was technically the name of another band you know we'd like just the name (laughs) of like this other project that like jody had and I think the idea was that we were going to keep like some of the songs that they had written before and maybe just change them up. And eventually we were like, nah, we're not going to do that. Because <laughs> I think the stuff we were writing was just a bit heavier, you know? Yeah. It ended up being a kind of a heavy band. It's like post-hardcore, <laughs> I guess, in the sense of like, I guess like Drive Like Jehu, but heavier with more riff, yeah. like actual like 
riffs, you know? I know, I thought, yeah, I find it hard to describe exactly what X's sounds like. But yeah, we, we put out an album in 2014. Um, it's, on, it's on Spotify. Uh, like, I, I will definitely link it yeah, in the Yeah, well. it's cool. Like, it's, I, I really like that record. Like, and again, it's something that we kind of spent years just kind of writing, you know? Like, we'd, we'd always, like, gone on, we'd, like, played shows and, like, kind of got together and, like, kind of written music. And it just, like, we just took so long kind of doing it. And it kind of eventually came together. And actually, I think it came out really good. But, um, nice. Yeah, after we did the album, we just sort of, I don't know, I think we started to try and write some new songs, but it kind of didn't, I don't know, it just didn't feel right, I think. And Jody was kind of busy doing some other stuff, and like Ollie also like moved out of the country, and then it was all a bit like. Did you ever tour with them? Yeah, yeah, we did. We did um, a couple of short tours. Like, we toured with Obit, like, which was amazing. Like, Obit oh, cool. is like Rick Froberg, uh, who was in Hot Snakes and Drive Like Jehu's band. I mean, I don't actually know if Obit's are still going, they might be, but yeah, like, you know, I got to fucking be on a tour with Rick Froberg. I was just like, oh, <laughs> what the hell? Amazing. Yeah, it was insane. Um, and then we toured with um, Holy State, uh, who were a band on, um, I think I was about to, like, were they on Holy Raw, maybe, over here? But, like, they were a really cool UK band that basically sounded like Hot Snakes. <laughs> okay, they, cool. And they were great. Like, we did a, we did a, um, a short tour with them, which is really cool. Like, yeah, we did. We did some tours with, like, Tropics slash X's. But, um, we mostly just kind of played like one-off shows, you know. I mean, we got to play some. Do you know what? Like, we got to play some other cool shows with that band. Like, we played with um, Off, which is like Keith Morris from, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like Black Flags band. Like, well, it's like a super group. Yeah, you know? no, it's I like love it's all members. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like we got to play with Off. Like, that was so sick. That's like, ridiculous. You know, like you know, again, like I always try to sort of remember that, like it's a huge privilege like to do that stuff like you know what i mean like i i don't take it for granted like at all like i just don't take it for granted because you know i've got to like meet and like play shows with like people that are kind of musical heroes like in a way of mine and it's kind of completely that's like that's a big deal you know like it's yeah and i think i think maybe when i was i, did, I think when i was like a teenager like I didn't really realize like what I was getting through was such a privilege, like you know. Um, yeah. But now you yeah. take it for granted at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that uh, about like shows where you get to support someone really cool, uh, and you look back on it and you're pissed and like, just drinking yeah. and like and thinking of like how you could have like used that opportunity now as like with everything you've learned and Yo, but yeah. Do you know what? And you say that I remember like actually and let's actually shout out um adrian's story right now who you yeah, know who absolutely. booked all of the whatever happened to p-rock night that you know that both of us Completely. used to dj at and had some of the best times but you know like the band real adventures that i the pop punk band that i did um at the same you know when all those like nights were happening and i was djing as well like yeah adrian put us on with um saves the day you know and like yeah. that, again like i got to you know I got to share a stage uh, with Save the Day. Uh, I think Chris even actually said that my voice was really cool, like when they were on stage. Like, <laughs> yeah, he did. Like, he do did. you know what I mean? Yeah, and I was yeah, just I like, what? That was such a cool show. I I couldn't even, like, stuff like that. It's just like, yeah, I'm so lucky yeah. like, to do that stuff, even though, you know, I have never, ever been in like a successful band. Like, I don't think I've ever been in what you would call a successful band. Like, but. Financially, in terms of financially, maybe, but well, yeah, I get it. what you mean. Like, I don't, I don't think, like, you know, well, yeah, not financially, but I don't know who is, it, yeah, I've, ne- <laughs> yeah. I've never, I've never, like, 
what I mean is I've never ever been able I've never made a living from a band you know what I mean it's never yeah, yeah, been yeah. my living I, I mean I've done it full time but like obviously like literally like not had anything <laughs> yeah but like it's never been a living like do you know what I mean like I've never yeah I've never made it be able to make a living from a band and like but I've still got to like do some of the coolest stuff ever and like yeah it's completely yes yeah, I'm I'm really lucky like this you know despite sort of having complaints about my health and stuff like that like that's yeah yeah <laughs> you know what I'm like, I can't complain about my life you know I've still done no com- yeah those those memories are so worthwhile uh, I actually opened that show with my uh with Scott Milner we were doing an acoustic project called we were grown-ups yeah um, and we opened that saves the day show it was a good night so many good nights there yeah like um, th- I mean so many of those p-rock nights are just like the most fun ever <laughs> you know what I mean just sing I, I can just remember mainly remember singing along to newfound glory a lot um <laughs> that's my main memory uh and my main memory of you and gordo as well uh oh, obviously out big shout out to gordo <laughs> yeah um, yeah again that's so, like i never see gordo anymore you know like i miss him so much yeah absolute legend um so when did real adventures come to an end and why because i'm gutted so yeah i think like um yeah, we did. So, like, I started doing Real Adventures in 2011 and we recorded, like, those two tracks, which is, like, the only thing we ever recorded. Um, yeah, again, like, Real Adventures, I think, maybe lasted till about 2013. It wasn't, like, a very long-lived thing. Yeah. Um, and, again, like, we, we never toured, you know? Like, we just played, like, some shows, like, you know what I mean, with our mates, pretty much. Um, but, I don't know, like, I don't really know why Real Adventures ended. I think like there was <laughs> there was a little bit of friction between like uh, some members of the band, like that was just like okay. stu- yeah. that was just like stupid at the time. Do you know what I mean? And like again, yeah, yeah, completely. We're all still like mates, like and you know, like every well, as I said, like I'm still in a band with Dom. Like Lee is still one of my best mates. Like I mean, yeah. Mitch and James, I haven't seen him for ages. I mean, like Mitch is just like a daddy. He's got like two kids now, and like, <laughs> like yeah. Um, and like James is doing his thing, but like actually, like you know, I spoke to James on Instagram like recently, bless him, and like yeah, they're they're all like absolute legends. We just kind of stopped doing it. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I've got to it be happens. honest as well. I think like there was like a real for me anyway. Like I kind of there was like a pocket of time that was like where that kind of like wave of what people were calling like true, so true true pop punk kind of happened, right? <laughs> and that was literally, yeah. I, I, I was, I'm going to say like, that really was only a solid couple of years, I would say, do you know what I mean? And Real Adventures <laughs> kind of existed in that time. Like that was it. So, it could only exist in that time. Oh, <laughs> like, this is so weird, I mean? right? <laughs> I'll say this because I'll, I'll plan it so this episode comes out after the one I'm going to mention, but I talked to uh, Jimmy from Polar Bear Club. Oh, no um, way. I talked to him last night or night before. Mm. Um, and there were so many bands at that kind of little pocket with like set your goals. And, and some of them carried on doing stuff, mainly yeah, yeah. due to like slam dunk and, and festivals like that. But um, a lot of them didn't. And talking to Jimmy, he was talking about like how weird it was when Instagram and all that kind of stuff came along. Um a lot of people couldn't be asked doing that stuff. Um, so you go and try and find them on social now and they haven't, they've got like tiny followings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like Crime and Stereo have like 2,000 followers on Instagram and it breaks my heart. Um, 
Yeah, and that is... It's very weird. It's weird, though, because, like, it's a different time, you know, to, like... Yeah. I, I just think, like, even, yeah, even, like, 15 years ago, it was just... It was still very much, like, you know, you'd get in a van or, like, two cars and go on tour, like, you would book, like, you know, it was still, like, a kind of community of people booking shows and stuff, like... Yeah. And I, I feel like the the kind of social... like. The, and the rise of social media is still happening. I mean, social media just constantly evolves and becomes a bigger and bigger thing with more going on. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it does it does change things yeah. and it does change the way Completely. that like these kind of um, communities are like, operate. Yeah, and how the band operates as well, because there's extra jobs to split up and that can cause friction. Right. You know? Yeah, like, totally. I, 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 joined... I feel weird about social media. I don't like I'm as much as I will like look at Instagram a lot and like I use it to kind of stay in touch with people. Like I don't post yeah. much on social media. I like, nice. yeah, yeah. I'd never go on Facebook at all. Like it kind of bums me out a lot. Like I kind of, yeah, yeah I'm a bit of a, I don't know. Like I get, I think social media is cool, but I don't really feel that attached to it. You know, like I'm not very good at it. Completely. I think it's a great thing, but like, I'm not, I'm not great at it. You know? I, yeah, I'm completely the same. You know, I, I released a, a poetry book all about how much I've struggled just communicating with people on social because I'm terrible at it. Yeah, um, it's it's a big struggle for me. Um, but I think it, it's weird because you only you, like you know I didn't post on Instagram for like a year, mm. and then I'm like, cool. So I'm doing the podcast. I kind of need to promote it. So then you're kind of like, you try and just promote the podcast episodes and then Instagram's like, cool, I won't show it to anyone because you're never posting on Instagram. Yeah. Like that, and that's the <laughs> so, thing, right? And Instagram used to be different. Like it would just be like, yeah. people post something and you see it, like that's it, you know? Yeah. And it's not like that anymore. And it does make it really difficult because, you know, like I'm not really ready to like curate some kind of like yeah, thing, completely. you know? Like I just completely ultimately like, if I'm using it to promote my band or my art or whatever I'm doing, like, I just want to be able to like post it so people can just see it. And that's it. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to like, you know, like, do you know I mean, like when you're in a band, I guess it's music and it should speak for itself. Like I shouldn't have to be showing you pictures of me or like whatever. Like, I don't know. And, and not that that's bad. Not that, I, not that I don't go on social media to look at pictures of bands or musicians that I'm yeah, interested yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like, you know, I totally do. But like, I feel weird doing that stuff. Like, I, I don't know, like I kind of, yeah, I just, yeah, it makes me, I don't know, it's weird. I can completely get you. And I think a lot of people do. And I think it's put a lot of people off and it's draining mentally because, you know, people join a band because it's a release as well. Mm. And then you've got this marketing job to do that yeah. is complete opposite of why you joined a band. Yeah, totally. Um, super tied into capitalism and like loads of other like do you know what well, i mean it's so much like yeah 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 and, and that's and that's another thing you know like that i do and i guess i have always struggled with in somewhere enough like it's just like capitalism and like having to be a part of the system but yeah. hating the system you know what i mean like yeah. it's like sure. you know i have no choice but to be a part of it I've, do you know what like that's one of the reasons that i've just been a postal worker for like 13 years and that's what i've just done that job because it's one of the only jobs where I literally feel like I'm not hurting anyone. Like I'm just, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm literally providing a service, an essential service that everyone needs. Like in 
at, at its best, that job, you actually get to be part of a community and look after a community and get to know people and do a good yeah. thing. At its worst, well, it's, you know, it can be a hard <laughs> and often frustrating job but you know whatever like it's yeah, yeah like do you know what i mean it's like i've always taken pride in that about that do you know what i'm saying like no completely completely and it's something i've really struggled with recently um because i do like marketing and social media for work mm-hmm. um and for for years we did it freelance so we'd be quite picky about the clients you work with um but then whilst trying to save up for a house and everything i took on some full-time jobs um and I'm just not the kind of person that feels comfortable once I find out that something's not like honest or good yeah, or they're being hypocrites. I don't feel comfortable selling it. And yeah, it's totally. like, you know, that's why I'm not in like, haven't got a job right now. <laughs> like, um, I, I always feel like I've got to speak my mind on those issues. And obviously, it, yeah, it's a weird situation to be in, especially when you feel like that's the skill you've got. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it, though. Right. It's like. A struggle that probably everyone has in some aspect or another it's like being that person you know the person that's just like going to like call people out on things you know like it's really difficult to be that person a lot of the time because a lot of people just think you're like annoying you know like people don't rate that about you (laughs) you know what i mean you're like well actually though like it's a moral thing almost (laughs) you know what i'm saying like like i don't feel like i'm you know, you, you feel like you're being immoral almost if you don't call that stuff out, because if you're just letting it go on when you know that it's not right, then you're just being as bad as the people that are perpetuating it. Like, perpetuating it do you know what I mean? Completely. Like, and yeah, that's absolutely bang on. And I think there's also the side of things that we, we're never sure how people are dealing with things. Like, there's a lot of undiagnosed, like, neurodiverse people, for example. Mm, and no like, doubt. And I, that is something I think about a lot and something that obviously costs a lot of money to go down the route of getting checked for any of that stuff anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, but within companies, when people are having to deal with those types of hypocrisy, like people's brains are going to work really differently and not everyone can take that kind of stress and situation. Of course. Well, I don't think that any, like, you know, let, let's be honest, most companies um they're kind of like hr systems right are not really built to protect workers are they like yeah. they're there to protect the company like Completely. that's that's the whole thing and it's like you know i would say most people that are neurodivergent or have chronic illnesses or disabilities of any yeah. kind like have all some time in their life experienced that like they've experienced something with like work or studying or whatever where they basically just um you know they're uh well, I guess maybe persecuted is too strong a term, but you know, ultimately, like, no, I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's uh, it, yeah, it can be really tough. Like, again, like, I think that I'm actually really privileged that despite the fact I have, you know, serious health problems that, like, have, you know, I used to do deliveries, like, at my job. Like, I was literally a, a post person, a delivery officer, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, remember I, that. I had to stop doing that because I couldn't walk anymore. Yeah. Uh, and and to be fair, like my union saved my job. I probably would have lost my job, but um, the union like they the union saved my job, and like I was lucky enough to get a job inside. Like I, you know, I'm still a uniformed like postal officer, but I have an inside job. Like I still get to yeah. do a frontline postal job, but inside, like 
and I'm really, really lucky like that I had that because other people in a say like in the same situation as me wouldn't have got so lucky. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's the thing. It. And it's just like Yeah, and and if the past year is, you know, shown as anything, it's like people are gonna find it it's gonna get even worse right now for people. That's uh, it. That's it. Vulnerable people um, are already having a terrible time and they're scared, you know. So everyone listen to this. You never know what's going on with people. And a lot of people have uh, invisible disabilities and invisible illnesses. So, like, keep that in mind in all of your day-to-day um, interactions, you know, because you never know what someone is going through. Like, they might just need a kind word rather than, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, yeah, I will, I will tell you more about uh, some of that off, off podcast. Um, but, yeah, that's something that I, I think is isn't thought about a lot you know and it goes back to what you said and about not getting annoyed at people because when when you're out and you don't know how what other people are going through what even even not going down as deep as like any um any type of mental illness or anything mm. but just how their day's been like what news they've received that day or what's right. going on yeah yeah um when we don't tend to think about that a lot um, and it is incredibly important, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially now. Do you know what I mean? Like right yeah. now, you don't know, someone might have just lost a family member or a friend, you know, like oh, yeah, literally, do, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that that's that's actually yeah. what, what is going on right now. You know, people are literally losing members of their family, losing their friends. Like it's a real thing, like it's really scary and you don't know how people are gonna deal with that. Maybe people are gonna deal with that in the wrong way but you know you can you can't blame people like you can't for sure yeah like and it's yeah i don't know it's it's a it's a hard time for everyone isn't it i think that's one thing that i try to keep in mind like even if people even if people are being like what you consider difficult or whatever like maybe they've gone through some awful stuff recently completely completely yeah and it's and it's very easy to um and I think it's the issue with that, that it's very easy to be hypocritical, right? It's very easy to to say that when you're going through things, but not think of it and how you treat others. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't get us anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. I mean, you know, I think we'd all just be better off if, like, kindness was our just go-to. And I'm not saying that I do this all the time at all. Like, yeah, I, yeah, no, I, yeah. Of course I don't. But, like, I think, like, it's just that, that thing you can try to do, right, is have your initial reaction to anything to be kindness isn't it like that's yeah. it like even if someone is directly kind of attacking you like if you're kind back they may stop you know that's like that, yeah. that's the thing Completely. like um and you know it's not obviously it's not easy like there are i don't know there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world there's a lot of like very open kind of prejudice against people at the moment um and yeah obviously you know, you can't you can't always be kind when someone is. No, is yeah, if, there's if someone, lines, right? Yeah, like, of course. It's spewing hatred or whatever. You can't be kind. That's it. You know what That's I mean? it. Um, there's lines, yeah. There's but we're lines. not talking about extreme hatred here. We're just talking about like everyday. Yeah. Like, yeah, someone pushes in front of you in line. Yeah, or, do you know what I mean? Someone pushes yeah. in line, or someone like is rude if they if you ask them to give you some space or whatever. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean, you don't know what's going on. It's like, yeah, obviously, I'm That's not talking it. about people actually, you know being hateful like that's it they 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 can get whatever's coming to them (laughs) 
um, I know we went on a super, super important uh, diversion there, Sorry, but I yeah. think we got up to real adventures and we need to, we need to finish it off, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, so I think, yeah, real adventures only really lasted till like 2013, I guess. And in like, so in that time, I already started Bookhouse, who you like mentioned before. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I say I started Bookhouse, I, mean, I didn't start Bookhouse. Like the other members of Bookhouse had been playing music together. Uh, okay. Without, without like I again, like, I played bass in Bookhouse. I mean, I played bass uh, in most of the bands that I've played in. Um, not Real Adventures. I just sang in that band. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't play any instruments. Um, but yeah, I'm f- first and foremost a bassist, really. Uh, but yeah, after so like, I mean, we we stopped. I guess by by the time we started Bookhouse, like we pretty much stopped doing any real adventure stuff. Obviously, like we were still doing Tropic slash X's like through the whole this whole time. Do you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. I was still kind of doing music the whole time. But yeah, I think we kind of we pretty much finished doing real adventures. Um so like we started doing Bookhouse, uh, which was yeah, free again, like it's free of my of just like old mates. For, well, two people that I literally like played in bands as when I was a teenager like in the first two bands i was in like properly played shows like uh i think the first yeah the first two bands i was in when i was a teenager were called negligent discharge which was literally just like a straight up skate punk band that was like between the ages of like 14 and 15 basically and it was just like proper you know we sounded like oscar or something do you know what i mean like proper like <laughs> yeah, cool. night it was like 90s episode kind of like <laughs> skate punky kind of stuff yeah um, tony hawk vibes yeah and then like um and then after that i was in like a bag called hours of two minutes which is very much kind of like bryce kind of vibes it was like cool. kind of pop punky but we had like shouty bits and like chuggy bits and stuff you know yeah <laughs> uh and then like um but yeah like so a member so like my friend graham who was in negative discharge and my friend greg who was in hours of two minutes were two of the members of bookhouse <laughs> Like, it's really cool. Like, I love the fact that I've kind it's of really like, cool. it's funny, like, I was thinking about this today, actually, you know, like, I'm not really in touch with anyone. Well, I'm not. I'm not in touch with anyone that I went to school with. Like, I don't have any friends from school, like, at all. Like, I didn't like, you know, I didn't like school. Like, <laughs> yeah, same, same. Um, and like, but I'm still friends with people that I've known since I was a kid because we played music together. <laughs> like, that's really cool. Like, do you know what I mean? That's the thing. Yeah. Like, it's like, that's the thing. That, that's the I guess the thing that's like really like held friendships for me is is like music is creating things together, you know, which is amazing. Um, no, completely, and I think that it it also says a lot about the like the people you choose to hang out with. Yeah, like, not are forced to hang out with, but right. choose to absolutely. Right. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like there were some, you know, I did go to school with some really nice people, and like there are actually. Do you know what? Actually, no. Someone that I went to high school with lives really close to me. He's a doctor. Bandy, if you ever hear this, you're a legend. Okay? But yeah, like, I just thought about it. I was like, no, I can actually think of one person I definitely still know, like, at school. But, you know, what I mean is, he's not like a close friend that I see all the time and I still, like, talk to a lot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, com- I completely relate because I moved away from Paul Bournemouth where I went to school and college and right, right. lost touch with everyone. Yeah, and yeah. And actually, when I was in Barcelona... I, I got in touch with a few people um, and someone got back in touch with me and came to visit in Barcelona, T, who's a wonderful, wonderful person. Oh, well, that's um, 
But his last memory of me was apparently me pushing him up against the wall, really angry at something he'd done. Really? Right. <laughs> yeah, from school. And I couldn't remember this at, at all, right? That's so weird. Um, but yeah, I think there's a reason why I've, I've blocked out a lot of my, my memory years. Right. Do you know what? And Whoa. this is actually something that else I thought about today, um, but, you know, about my childhood, right? Like, I was really... It's that I didn't, like, you know, I guess... I didn't have the the most comfortable childhood, you know, and I pretty much like just blocked it all out, right? Like I didn't. Yeah. It wasn't until I started having therapy <laughs> that I started to like think about being a child and like growing up and stuff, right? And and then yeah. you know, and, and it was obviously when I actually started like breaking all that stuff down that I was like, okay, you know what? Well, I just need to like accept the fact that I'm. Like, transgender person in my life should probably like yeah. actually like start being like actually living like that like, i should do it because and just just come out and just be honest and just tell people because maybe it's gonna my life will get better because people will understand me more or whatever you know like it was one of those things it's like oh, okay yeah like now i'm thinking about loads of stuff in my childhood like i was like a proper queer kid you know like i was like i just but everything that was going on around me like stopped me from being able to be that do you know what i mean like so it's yeah and that's it like you just and, and i guess the easiest way for me to kind of live was just to be like i'm just gonna completely like it's like basically puberty like i can kind of start to remember stuff after puberty you know and i think that's like when when i hit male puberty you know like i think that's the thing it really when all that testosterone hits you like if you're you know you know you're trans when you're a kid like i would say most trans people probably know like they know when they're yeah. pretty young and they kind of figure that stuff out. And then it's like, I don't know, you know, a lot of, one of the big things that's been got this going on at the moment is like the, you know, young people that are on kind of um, hormone blocker therapies, so they don't start going through like puberty because they're trans, like are having that taken away. And I just think like, yeah. fuck, like it's so awful. Like, it's, that's so awful. <laughs> like it's just so awful. Like, you shouldn't be forced like if you know like yourself but anyone else like why would you, should you be forced to like go through that that you like don't when you don't have to you know when you know that's not right for your body like do you know what i mean completely completely like, no, i think it's about respecting people and like, mm. like do you know what i mean there's no respect for yeah treating human beings <laughs> like come on yeah um like you're trying to control things that aren't yours to be controlled like mm. i just don't understand how people how much hatred and like control there there is in the world in all honesty it's i think it's you know there, there are still places you know it was until very very recently that you know places in the uk where abortion was illegal you know like come on yeah. people people are having their bodies controlled like still in the year 2021 the world over like it, it's not like <laughs> It's, it's yeah, really no, sad. Well, well, no, for sure, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? It's not like, don't get me wrong, things are getting better. I guess social media is giving way more people a platform, you know? That's a powerful thing. That's it. That's right? it. And obviously, that, it. it's things are getting pushed forward and things are slowly changing, but it's very slow, you know? Like, I just, yeah. like, again, I feel so privileged. I've even got to a point, point in my life where I can actually feel, you know, safe to, to even come out as a trans well person. yeah this is yeah because it this isn't is safe thing as for well. a lot of people you know it's not safe to be trans for a lot of people um, um yeah 
and, and again, I've got the privilege that I, you know, was assigned male at birth and that I'm always going to look away that it's probably going to get people to respect me more than they would. And well, but this is the thing. It's like, if I truly started expressing myself in a, you know, in a way more femme way, and I am a femme, like, I, this is how I feel, right? I feel like a femme, you know, like I, I'm a femme, yeah. right? If I started wearing, you know, a full face of makeup, if I started going out, you know, like that, that I, I know that I'm going to get, trouble for that you know like it's you can't like you can't express yourself like that and not have like because there are people that don't feel comfortable with it and are happy to tell you to your face that they don't feel comfortable with it like well this is the thing about social media as well isn't it that it gives everyone a platform and it like it's it can be used for good and it can be used to push things that are worthwhile and it also gets used to rile up idiots to to do horrible things and feel like they've got other people surrounding them who think the same right yeah um and i think brexit was a clear example of that like racism goes up and like transphobia goes up after brexit because because they're entitled there's like oh there's like a load of us we all like yeah unfortunately it's that's the thing like i guess brexit which should not have been anything to do with like race i don't this is the thing it's like something that should literally never have had anything to do yeah, with like they, shouldn't they shouldn't have, have been able to use it like to kind of exactly as a racist dog whistle thing to like just rile up racists you know they shouldn't have like it's yeah. been so twisted to do that like i don't know like no one was even talking really like in the actual referendum That's campaign it. no one was actually talking about the facts of it like on either side really yeah. like it's just kind of just madness it just it? turned into something yeah it was, it was just, just absolute madness I, it was like a real like it was a proper yeah. kind of what you think was like kind of like a political circus you know like yeah. really just like yeah. absolute just yeah and it, yeah it's really scary and obviously you know you've just we've just seen like four years of donald trump like as president of the u.s and it's just like absolutely oh. enabled all of the absolute worst parts of that society you know um yeah and don't get me wrong like we've you know we, we saw it here we saw it here in the summer um you know, we obviously had loads of incredible um, BLM protests and marches. And, you know, we did see other people that were opposed to people just marching yeah. for human rights coming out. You know, they they came out in this country as well. Like they were there. They made themselves known. You know, they made themselves seen. So, like, yeah, it's it's scary, but, you know, it's nothing. It's no, nothing new. You know, that's, that's that's how I try to think of it. Like, it's nothing new. This stuff always is always going to be this way. And at least now people do have more of a voice. We just have to keep using it. Do you know what I mean? That's it. That's and also, it. And, and that's the thing, I think, like, in this country, where we are, you know, despite how terrible things are right now, we are still far more privileged than a lot of people. We should, we have to use that. You know, we have to use that privilege to help people in other countries that are really in danger. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah, completely. Completely. And uh, there's a lot going, like, yeah, this, everything's, going downhill you've mentioned it and i think that it's important to be watching out for people right now because right. uh and i think that's it yeah just like and that's you know when i talk about community as well like i i do when i talk about community like i'm i'm talking about actual direct action like if you walk down the street and you literally see someone being abused or harassed step up and you ask them yeah. you know i'm not taking the, i'm not saying that you start fighting with someone that's harassing someone <laughs> you ask the person that's being harassed if they are okay do you know yeah. what I mean? If you can see them yeah. being harassed and it's obvious what is going on, ask that person if they are okay. Take, you know, walk, yeah, people walk don't away, know. People walk away don't. With them, even and, and, like if it's the police harassing them, do exactly the same thing. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, do you know what I'm saying? I, I mean... Yeah, yeah, completely. Like, you know what I mean? Because we need to be looking out for each other. Like, that's it. We have to look out for each other right now. Like, we need more direct action, you know, community action. We need to be... And, and people are doing it. Like, Dom, Dom who plays guitar in um, Park Rager, like, he's been, the last couple of Saturdays, doing um, a coat rail in Bethnal Green, literally standing out in the freezing cold with a rail of coats, like, letting anyone that needs oh, a coat wow. come and take one. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, That's awesome. And it's beautiful, and I love him so much for doing it. And, like, you know... And I wish, like, obviously I'm hiding at home because of my health, but I wish I could be out there, like, doing that stuff, you know. I, I couldn't go and protest in the summer, like, and, and it yeah. hurt me to not be able to actually go out there and use my presence and my voice. And to be fair, there are obviously a lot of, you know, of disabled people, of chronically ill people that can never go out and physically, like, protest in that way. And, like, we have to do it for them, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, that makes complete sense, complete sense. And I think that it's uh, it's so important, like I say, just to give a shit. But um, everything is tailored around distracting us from that stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's why conversations like this are so important because that you don't get a conversation, so you don't get a message like that on social media that often, or on TV, or on in the newspapers. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, unless you're following a load of people who already believe the right. same things. This is the thing. Like, right? there's, a, there's a couple of great, um, there's a couple of great Instagram things that I follow, uh, like Hate Zine. I don't know if you follow Hate Zine. Yeah, yeah. They've been sure. amazing. They've been amazing during the pandemic. Like, you know, they've been publishing um, people's stories. Like, you know, obviously people that work at Frontline. Uh, obviously, they've been posting loads of relevant, uh, you know, articles. Uh, like you know of actual political stuff that's going on and yeah like it's keeping people informed because this is the problem that's you know it, like yeah. a lot of people don't really know what's going on they don't know how it is for people that have actually still kind of working on the front lines if you will like all that kind of stuff like they don't know how difficult it is for people people that have literally lost their livelihoods and everything like they're struggling to put food on the table right now or have even lost the roof over there lost the roof over their head you know what i mean like yeah um and it's like yeah. obviously it's essential that people know like everyone needs to know what is going on because that, that that's how we're going to make a difference because people are going to start of are going to start working together to make a difference and we need as many people doing that as possible do you know what i mean yeah yeah because i don't Completely. believe i honestly don't believe like i don't believe that partisan politics in this country right now are going to do anything for us or help us in any way like the labor party right now is <laughs> shockingly bad like they yeah. just you know um again like <laughs> I briefly got involved in, you know, in the Labour Party in like 2017 um, to try and get like Jeremy Corbyn elected. It, yeah. Like I, I was yeah. briefly trade union liaison for Croydon Central Labour Party. Like I, I really believed in that. Like I'd never ever been interested in partisan politics before. Like I didn't feel like late, like the Labour Party really represented my beliefs. Like despite you yeah. know, obviously my the CW is a Labour Party trade union, and obviously. They are supposed to be the party of the trade unions. I mean, where has Keir Starmer been? I don't. I've literally not he heard him say anything to support unions. In fact, he has literally done the opposite of that since he's been in power. He like didn't stand up for yeah. the teachers' union at all. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like you know, um, and yeah, like I, I, I actually yeah, like I said, like I joined up, like I joined the Labour Party, I joined Momentum. Like I was out canvassing all the time. Like really worked hard. Um, because I kind of believed that that was like maybe the only chance we had. And I feel like it really was. Yeah. And we blew it, you know? Well, I say we blew it. We didn't blow it. Um, we didn't blow it. 
what like I honestly believe this to be true as well. I mean, I've read the report. Like, it was literally people within the Labour Party that sabotaged Labour's victory in 2017. Like that, that, that is an actual fact. Like, I, I think that. Okay, I'm saying it's a fact. I've read, <laughs> read, read the report. You know, like that's the thing. If I you, haven't read the report, so I'm not. I'm not going to comment you know on I mean? that. If you, but, if you read the, but report, I get the feeling and completely. Again, yeah. And again, Keir Starmer has re- literally refused to say anything about it. Like he's not said anything about it, which makes you think. Well, obviously he just was complicit, right? Like that's the thing. So obviously he's not going to say he's not going to say anything because he was part of it. Like he didn't want Corbyn to win either because actually he was already setting himself up to you know to get into power. That's the way it seems to me. Well, this is to me. It's just a lot of corruption on every side. Yeah, you know? and that's and the that's thing. Politics through and through. Right, and, and, it's and, I, and, I, and I, yeah, it, it's exhausting, right? It's exhausting. Yeah, like because you do start to feel like actually there is. There is no winning for the people in this situation. Because, <laughs> that, like, exactly. Because, yeah. like, even, yeah, even the party that you kind of think is supposed to be representing the people, it's a whole massive organization with many, many people in. And unfortunately, yeah. it's maybe half of those people that want to do it for the people, and the other half <laughs> don't. Like, do you know what I mean? They're still Completely. literally, like, it's just a job. And they're now worried that actually they're going to start losing money if they do stuff for the people. So yeah, that's it. They don't that's want to it. do that. Do you know what I mean? They don't want to do it. And it's, yeah. that's it. It's money, isn't it? It's all about money. Well, all about money. Um, um, we need to come back round to uh, Park Ranger, right? Yeah, yeah, for Have sure. we missed any extra bands no, after no, Bookhouse? Like, so, no, we, like, yeah. Um, Bookhouse, we literally did for, like, several years as well. Um, we practiced every week. Like, we, you know, Gra- Graham, one of the guys was, that was in it, we lived together as well. Uh, Matt, who plays drums in Park Razor, he literally lived on the road adjacent to me and Graham. Like, we, <laughs> you know, we all lived super close. Like, we would practice every week. Like, it was a proper, just, again, it was just, like, mates having the best time just hanging out, writing music together. Yeah, we recorded, like, um, a four-track demo in, like, 2013. Which is like, you know, I, I think those songs are great and they're really fun. And like, it wasn't yeah. like the greatest recording or anything, but like, um, they're fun songs. I don't, you know, if uh, like we recorded it with Sam Fredder at the Crows Studio, like, shout out Sam, he's an absolute legend. He's recorded so many yes. absolute, like, legendary, like, hardcore metal and like doom records. He's like a real, <laughs> everyone, like, in the like UK hardcore scene knows Sam, like, he's recorded everyone. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, he's our yeah. pal and like, he's local and we went to do it with him. And you know, like, it's great. Like, it's just, you know, obviously, we weren't trying to make it like a super professional record. It was just a demo. Do you know what I mean? So like, um, but yeah, and again, like we played a bunch of shows in like South London. Uh, we would play, you know, we played in Croydon, Streatham, Deptford, like Brixton. Like, you know, we just, we ever, only ever really played small shows in South London. Always had loads of fun. Um, and yeah, we just never really like, we just never really did anything with it. You know, it was just like, you know, it was just about like, just having a laugh of, with each other. Uh, did it ever really end or just kind of fizzle? It just kind of fizzled, you know, like, I think. Yeah. So, like, again, Graham, uh, who, you know, we used to live together, played in the bands. Like, Graham now, you know, he's got a wife and two kids. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it was one of those things where life was just gradually moving on. Like, do you know? <laughs> like, people. Completely. Um, but, yeah, like, we, I don't know, like, we when did we even stop doing Bookhouse? I don't even really know. Like, I guess I'd started, like, you know, when I, after I kind of got, like, 
really crippled with arthritis and then i had I got, like i had two surgeries like really like within the space of a year as well like i had the first one oh, they diagnosed me with rheumatoid arthritis um and then like they put me on meds um which were just like awful uh and like didn't work basically i was on meds for like a year oh, they kept crap. telling me that my bloods were looking good that they weren't stopping the symptoms of the arthritis i was still crippled and then i had like another um surgery which again like it just didn't do anything they put me on another drug and that's when it kind of like that's when the kind of symptoms started to get treated and i was like able to kind of start functioning again um yeah and that was in like i guess 2016 basically i had like the second surgery in november 2015 and i think it was like 2016 like the start where i'd been like put on meds that actually stopped my joints swelling up so like gotcha. in like the start of 2016 i kind of got my legs back do you know what i mean yeah and was like able to do stuff um, that's heavy yeah it was, it was honestly like a real bad time like, i disappeared for a couple of years like I, I literally disappeared for a couple of years like you know um yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm just saying that I'm, I'm sorry that i didn't know that was going on and didn't reach no, out you know it's weird never. how stuff happens for everyone at the same time and then you don't know what's going on with people yeah of course and but you know i wasn't it's not like i was like shouting about it i mean i don't really it's not something that I like shout about on social media, really. Like, you know, yeah. I don't ever talk about having chronic health issues like on social media, really. Maybe I should, but yeah. like, I just don't ever do it. But yeah, don't please don't feel bad about that. Like, a lot of people didn't know really what was going on because I just disappeared, didn't it? So, um, yeah. but yeah, like what actually that year though, 2016 was awesome because we did a Meet Me in St. Louis reunion tour like in that, I that, saw, that summer. I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I wasn't there. I watched the video though. I watched the live so, video. Honestly, like that tour was the best. Like it was, it was really cool. Like we, you know, we said um, we were going to do it. Like obviously we kind of started learning the songs, like started practicing like in the springtime. Uh, like it was beautiful because like, we're all still really good mates. <laughs> like, like, yeah we're all still really close so it was just like super fun we got to play the biggest shows we ever have played <laughs> like you know <laughs> we sold out at all we never did that when we were actually a band that's so cool <laughs> like, do you know what I mean that's when we so were a band awesome. we couldn't sell out at all but, like <laughs> eight years after we split up we did like <laughs> that's um, amazing but yeah it really was amazing and, it, and it's something that I personally desperately desperately needed at that time um because i was like you know i'd been so depressed like i'd been like in the worst place like for a long time and um doing that tour like it reminded me how good life can be you know like it, i yeah. i was like oh my god like i have been a part of something worthwhile in my life like people have, yeah. i've like made something that gives people like so much joy like that that's, that's the first it. time that i really kind of felt that do you know what i mean like it was <laughs> it was really powerful like i yeah those shows were crazy emotional like we saw so many old friends like all the people like playing with us were you know were like old friends like everyone involved like who you know like our tour manager like um yeah all like all the everyone that booked the shows like everyone that was helping us with stuff like just you know it was all our old mates like people obviously people came to the shows that we hadn't seen for years like and people traveled from like you know from japan from australia from america like to come to the shows like <laughs> And it was just wild, like, yeah, it was That's wild really cool. to, to actually, I guess, so viscerally all at once after like years of not really like thinking that I had ever done anything like particularly worthwhile to suddenly just be like, oh wow, like, yeah, it, yeah, it, like it's amazing, like it, like it was a, 
I've never felt so humbled, like, you know, in my life. Oh. I'm so happy you had that experience, but yeah, I think that you, uh, you should be proud of everything you've put out, you know? And I think that's the beauty of like, it's, and I know that you might look back on it and not feel proud of bits. And, and I think it's normal for individuals to, to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah but yeah. in terms of how it's affected someone else, I think it, the, even if that's the relationships in the band, how it affected other band members and how it like, that stuff is really important and uh, I can definitely vouch for the fact that stuff that you've you put out has always like, had an effect on me like absolutely thank you so much I really appreciate that and I think you know and actually that's you know one cool thing um about kind of being the the lyricist in the band as well is like actually you know when when they're your your words and they're really personal to you and then other people will come back and they're like oh like I really like connected with that particular part or I could just really like get you know like kind of knowing you like i really get that part but this is like what it means to me sort of thing as well it's kind of like oh wow like that's yeah. a really powerful thing do you know what i mean like it's um yeah like as i said because i've mainly been a bassist and band so it's kind of not like i mean with me and lewis you know obviously i've had people come up to me and talk about my bass playing because i guess it's kind of like a really obvious thing like in that band and like you know there's a really cool bsm podcast and one of the episodes is um the bassist from golfer talking about yeah. color and he's like oh, awesome. and and like that is one of the like you know i listened to that and i was like oh wow like this is literally someone being <laughs> like he's one of my favorite bassists or yeah i'm a they but <laughs> you know yeah, yeah but like do you know what i mean it's like that was like pretty like whoa okay like that's a big deal that's a band that i think is really fucking great you know like so that's yeah. really cool it, like again it's like you don't i bit yeah i i kind of been away from seriously doing music as my like everything for a long time and not really kind of realizing the legacy that meet me in st lewis like particularly had like had you know completely um, completely but yeah it's definitely like really cool uh getting to like getting to sing like i'm not that i'm not like, the greatest singer or anything but i do feel like i particularly on this uh park rager ep like really found my voice you know yeah i, I think you've got an awesome voice um and i've i think to me, it was it was always been uh, interesting because you you enunciate uh, properly. Does that make any sense? It's not Americanized, which is yeah, something well, that's I mean, easily uh, done. I think you know I definitely have. Um, like I grew up in Croydon, and I feel like I've pretty much got like I've got a bit of a South London accent. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not. Uh, yeah, I don't really speak the Queen's English, and I've always <laughs> I've always like tried to. Um, I don't know, I want it, you know, if, if I'm singing in a band, I do want it to sound like me, do you know what I mean? I, I want it to sound yeah. like, yeah, I want it to sound like me. I want it to be like, oh, right, yeah, like it's you singing, do you know what I mean? I don't want to, like, don't get me wrong, I love it. I love kind of like affectations, and I absolutely, like with Park Radio, I do, I feel like I have an affectation in my voice. I do what I kind of call, like, call to myself, like kind of like a Morrissey thing, like a little bit, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, but it doesn't sound anything like that, but do you know what I mean? It's got a kind of almost like a sort of, um, there's like a crew when I like properly sing, I do kind of like a croony thing a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, and I, I wasn't uh, hinting at the fact that you were enunciating in like proper English. I mean, yeah, like I... in your own way, like yeah, yeah. like highlighting your own accent. And I always found that interesting because because it's something I've got an issue with. You know, English isn't my first language. Yeah, of course. Um, and the only reason I can I speak English this way is because I got bullied so much at school um, to lose like my accent. So I've always like singing in bands found it weird to like 
how do I how do I be myself when yeah, none of this is me? That's really and interesting. It's a head fuck. Mm. Like honestly. It's really interesting that you kind of make that point because <laughs> I have several like close friends, right, that where English like ain't their first language. And I yeah. often think to myself, and to kind of beat myself up for the fact that I can't speak their first language, right? Because <laughs> I not because like you know, you're not getting to really hear them in their own voice, you know? And sure. it, and, and like there are definitely things that you probably struggle to articulate when you're not saying them in your first language. Like, do you know what I mean? And, and actually, yeah. like, I do, yeah, I do kind of think about it a lot. And like, I've, I've often thought, like, oh, like, I really, really wish I could, like, speak to my... Like, my, <laughs> like yeah, because I've got, you know, I've got several friends that, yeah, that English isn't their first language. And it's like, fuck, yeah. I'm never going to get to hear you, like, in your own voice properly. Like, do you know what I mean? It's true. And it changes, you know? Like, um, I found this weird thing when I sing like I've got a different pitch in English to in Spanish and I'd never really realized because I'd not tried singing in Spanish that much. Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't like my dad's type of music basically. Um, but recently I tried playing around with it and I was like, Whoa, it's like a completely different, like yeah, my voice is completely different. That's um, cool though. And there's, there's so yeah, much cool, so, like obviously there's so much cool Spanish language, like music as well. So like, you know, <laughs> there was, there I, I feel like actually, it's like there's there's always been bands that have done like I feel like Spanish is one of the languages where there's there's quite a few bands like bands that sing in English that have always played with having like bits of like Spanish in the lyrics like that's yeah no completely yeah completely and and like once you get over being a teenager who only listens to punk rock um, yeah. I've grown to to love a lot of like the music that comes out specifically South America. Yeah, um, so, so yeah, amazing stuff there. I'm not so into the classical Spanish stuff. Um, There's mainly loads of just really of hilarious, hilarious Spanish hip hop. Like. Oh yeah, there is absolutely. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's kind of like stuff that's like a real like guilty pleasure, but like you know, <laughs> like um, uh, what they call like zombie boys. Like they're so bad, but like kind of it's like hilarious. I was chatting to uh, Dan from you know, Zebrahead. Oh yeah, um, and he was saying he's recording. Uh, he was recording something with a reggaeton band. Nice. Um, yeah, reggaeton's a funny one as well. I'm not sure if you've if you've heard much of it. Yeah, yeah. But, I uh, mean, like, there's obviously some people from the reggaeton scene that have got like huge now, like Bad Bunny and stuff. Do you know what yeah, I mean? like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, it's actually become like a pretty big. I know. Well, this is the like, thing. Music, I never know. saw it coming. It's like what my sister would listen to. Well, actually, stuff, like but, is um, J Balvin? Was he? Is he like a reggae? I feel like J Balvin's like reggae son as well, right? Maybe I would. I wouldn't be able to tell. Well, you. I, was thinking, I like, wouldn't be able to tell you. We had like a there was like um uh like a big music festival in Croydon. Like they did it a couple of years ago. Like well, there used to be like a music festival in Croydon. They tried to like redo it like a couple of years ago. And they call it like ends festival. Um, oh, cool. And really sadly, I think they really undersold it, and it didn't work out so well. But the lineup was insane, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> they got so many good people. Like, um, I mean, I'm just gonna try and throw some off the top of my head. Like, uh, like Masigo played, uh, Nao played, uh, Damian Marley played, De La Soul played. Um, oh, it was wow. like Koji Radical played. I think like Kojo Fans, like loads of wicked, like loads of like big That's rad. people, but loads of wicked UK like hip hop and RB. Oh, Burner Boy played. He was fucking amazing. Like oh, it was awesome, really sick. But um, yeah, pretty sure Jay Balvin like played that. And I was like, this is not again. Like this is like he's like a reggaeton guy. And I was just like, yo, like yeah, it's bit. It's become like a big thing. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure, 
for sure. Um, right, sorry. Okay, yeah, I feel like I should probably just uh, discuss Park Radio a little bit, shouldn't I? Yeah, that would be, uh, be awesome. Um, but actually, yeah, I just, I will say that as well. Like, I did, it's really funny, because I remember when I talked to you about making a little bit of music before, and I, I, I know I said earlier, I was like, when you were like, oh, I wasn't, like, you know, I'm not sure if you'd be into it. And I was a bit like, oh, what? Like, I actually spent, like, <laughs> in 2018, like, I did actually spend quite a while like, working on a project uh, with, like, an old friend of mine who I'd actually played in, like, little hardcore band with that just literally never like i wrote like a few songs it's really funny it's the only band as well that i'd actually ever played guitar in like i played i wrote like a few like we're talking like kind of naughty's bridge nine style like melodic kind of hardcore songs do you know what i mean oh. just like yeah, yeah like i wrote a few of those like, on guitar and then me my friend kit this guy he played bass now from bobby like played drums and we like used to like practice together and kind of like learning a set and then we just never All did right. anything <laughs> but yeah like <laughs> my friend kit like came back to he's originally from the Midlands. Anyway, shout out, Kit. If you ever hear this, I hope you're doing good. Um, but yeah, he, he moved back to like his home town of Kidderminster. Like I'd met him, you know, when he lived in London like years before and he moved back to, uh, home for a long time and then he kind of come back to London and I saw that he'd like posted on his Instagram like, oh, you know, um, I'm looking just to work with people doing kind of like production stuff. He'd been making a lot of kind of like alternative kind of R&B kind of synthy kind of stuff. Yeah. And I was cool. like, yes like yo let's like let's make some music together like i've you know i've got songs like, i've got songs like let's do it. <laughs> i'm massively massively into like hip-hop and r&b like i would say that actually, nice yeah yeah and like um definitely like in like 2016 when i like got my legs back pretty much like i you know um was like going out to dance like to a, a lot of like hip-hop and r&b <laughs> nights and stuff because it's like my kind nice. of it's weird. I got really back into it. Like I got really after kind of, you know, spending my whole like teens and twenties, like playing in like rock bands, you know, and like, you know, being very yeah. much, you know, like DJing at punk nights and just being very much like in that scene, like the whole time I got way more back into, um, you know, other, like the other music that I'd like loved when I was young. Do you know what I mean? Which was always. Like, yeah. Right. Oh, um, I, I had similar trip when I stopped playing in, in the band and we went traveling like i didn't want to listen to punk rock music because it like made me feel gutted to not be on tour oh, um so i just i got really really into hip-hop but yeah, it's yeah. weird right because did you listen to hip-hop when you were like younger yeah so like some of the first like so i was raised by my mum, um and she's uh super into like motown soul r&b um that kind of cool. stuff that is like yeah I, and also like um into a lot of like kind of blue bee and like two step and old scar and reggae stuff like yeah uh and that is the kind of music that i you know heard growing up um a lot and like there's we we she's still got a huge huge record collection well i think my parents had like a shared <laughs> record collection uh and like my dad left my mum when i was like five i think and like that record collection is still as far as i know at my mom's house like i think she's still got all them records and, and to be honest like i hope i get their record collection <laughs> but yeah like and you know i was always like i would listen to like i would definitely like, you know put on her old r&b and soul records a lot and like music was always around like my um my granddad like her dad was a musician and that's like i got i started playing keyboards uh when i was quite young and i mean i play keys like i've yeah i've i've, I've always played keys obviously just never done it in a band you know um, and I, play, That'd be cool. I play violin as well but like i'm just bad at it <laughs> <laughs> um but i still would love to like, when, use, uh, use it something 
Yeah, for sure. Once uh, once things are, are normal, I'd love to get uh, get you out to sample some uh, violin and keys then. For sure. I need to get my, like, I think, I don't actually know, well, I think my violin is actually at my mum's house. Like, I haven't, you know, I need to, like, <laughs> find out what's going on. Well, because I got it, like, serviced, um, and then for some reason, I think I was running my mum's, like, looking after her dog. I mean, this is a couple of years ago. But, yeah, I was, like, looking after my mum's dogs or something, and I had, it was at her house, and then I just never brought it back, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's there somewhere. Like I was gonna, I, I I remember I was like I had a plan to like record a part at the end of one of the Park Rager songs, <laughs> and then we cool. just kind of like we just like never did it. But like, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, there's like on a couple of Meet Me and Lewis songs, there's violin because Ollie, like from Meet Me and Lewis, is like a really incredible violinist. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, oh, that's and awesome. I remember being like, oh yeah, like I could like. You know, I could like play some second row, but then it was just like, ah, no. <laughs> ah, no, this guy is like actually super good, <laughs> really, oh, really awesome. good. Um, but yeah, yeah, like, I well, yeah, but that's, that's the thing. Like, I, I remember like when I kind of first got it back, like after being like, oh yeah, like, I've got a violin laying around somewhere, and I got it serviced. I started playing it again, and was like, okay, like I could figure out how to do some stuff that would be, you know, I could use it. Do you know what I mean? That's it. But, that's um, it. Like, I yeah, I couldn't do a little like, a concert. You know? <laughs> No, On the I've just got really into. Um, <laughs> I bought the the machine studio. Um, oh, nice! And it's like amazing, yeah. So you, you can like hook up like a mic to it and record and sample and like chop it all up like on the spot and then do layer loops and stuff. Because oh. I got really into doing um, hip hop and like I recorded a load of hip hop songs that I've just never released. Um, I never released a lot of music. I've got a lot of music I haven't released. Oh, damn. <laughs> So like none of the stuff that we did, like so yeah. I mean we never so any none of the songs I did with like Kit in 2018 did we even really finish. Like I'd written um, a couple of songs and then we kind of like produced them together and then like I was also like singing and kind of spitting stuff over some of his beats like that he'd made. Nice. And I was just loving it. Like yeah, I was really excited about doing it. I was like, oh like, you know, I've never done a project like this and I loved this music <laughs> so much. Like it was like and, and and also, I'll be honest, I kind of, at the time, I was like, yo, like, you know, I could see that, like, like, Lil Peep was coming up massive, and, like, there was a lot of, yeah. like, you know, like, GBC was getting really popular, and, like, a lot of, kind of, emo rap was becoming, like, big, you know, was actually, like, getting sure. around that time, and I was like, yo, I might be old, but I look apart, and, like, maybe if we can actually make these songs good, and I can actually release this, maybe this is an avenue of music that I can actually go down doing, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I was kind of like, oh... This is a real thing that is like a kind of a thing that's going Completely. on right now. Like I could totally Completely. there's people making like making um you know hip hop and R and B that's coming from that scene. Do you know what I mean? Like I could I could be a part of this, you know what I mean? Like I was yeah, you know, Wicker Phase, like Adam from Tiger's Jaw, like has been doing that stuff since he yeah, left Tiger's since sure. he left Tiger's Jaw in like two thousand eleven or whatever or whatever year it was that he left. And like um yeah, I was like I love all this stuff and I just like was really up for making some like sexy music that I'm saying like uh, it's good fun it is it's yeah. so much fun and I find it quite like it's really weird I'm a very earnest person I think and pretty much all of the punk stuff that I write is like earnest as fuck like it's like super yeah. earnest you know like it's like I rarely even use like metaphors, you know, like it's just pretty like straight up, you know, like, yeah, um, I get you completely. But when I like write lyrics, 
for obviously like hip hop and R&B, it's all fucking plays on words. You know what I mean? The whole thing of like writing like hip hop lyrics is, is just plays on words, you know, like it's punchlines. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so like, I just yeah. find it super fun to like write lyrics for that kind of stuff. Like, you know, you're writing jokes almost. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's true. You could like, yeah, you've got a lot of freedom to do what you want with it. And yeah, to, to come at it from whatever angle you, you choose to. And that's like something that I, I mess around with as well, like writing like stories from different perspectives, which is something I'd never done with like punk stuff because mm. the same, it was like a, a release for my emotions, punk whilst yeah, yeah. with hip hop, it was like, cool. I can actually create a story and like do whatever I want with it. Yeah. But do you know what though? Like that's just, I think, and it goes for every single genre of music with like vocals and lyrics, right? There's always people that have like different styles across every genre in terms of like stuff that's like super like personal, like diary, like, you know, it's like reading your diary almost. And then there's people that like literally like tell stories and songs like uh, one of the most recent per- like vinyl purchases I made uh, was Wise by Joanna Newsom. I don't know if you ever listened to that record. I, I haven't, but I'm going to. Right, okay. Down. So it's not on Spotify, unfortunately. Um, I don't know ah. if it's on other streaming things. It's probably on YouTube or something. I'll, I'll find it. I'll but, find um, it. Um, it's like Why. Wise. Like that's y- how it's spelled. S. Just Y S. Yeah. Joanna Newsom. Um, that's like one of my favorite, I guess, I know I call it a folk album. Um, like it's so Joanna Newsom is a songwriter that um her main instrument is harp. Oh, cool. So she like her first this is I think why is her second full length? Like her first album is called um Milk Eyed Mender, and it's like way it's just it's kind of like a more of a regular album. It's like just you know, like 10 or 11, like kind of shorter kind of verse chorusy songs that are like yeah. really quirky harp and vocals, mostly. Oh, right? cool. She's got that a really, really weird, cool. she's got a really weird voice. Yeah. Like a really, really weird voice. Um, wise though, is like five songs that are all like 10 minutes long. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, or it's, I mean, it's not, but like, do you know what I mean? They're, it's like, oh, it's only a half of the songs and they're all long basically. And yeah, it's like, harp and a full orchestra most like for for like well, i think one or two of the songs is maybe like just harp or harp and minimal stuff but a lot of them have got like full orchestration on as well like you know everything um and they're just these like incredible like stories the lyrics it's just like uh, sounds awesome it's really interesting as well like i you know said to like a group of my friends one of whom Graham, who played in Bookhouse, who I used to live with, is one of my oldest friends, you know, we've known each other since, we, since we were teenagers. He also loves that record, right? And I was like, oh, like, look what I just got on vinyl. Like, it it opens up. It's a double vinyl. It opens up, and it's actually like a book. Basically, it's a book. <laughs> but, like, the inlay, and the, obviously the lyrics are written down, so it looks like kind of like poems, you know? It's, oh, that sounds amazing. It's so beautiful. Um, but, like, yeah, one of the songs is called Monkey and Bear, and the lyrics are literally, like, a story about a monkey and a bear that are a, <laughs> a couple, right? Um, yeah. But and like Graham was like, he he literally said, "I'm oh, like, oh, I always like couldn't get around like the monkey and bear, like stupid like lyrics, or whatever." And I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that the lyrics in that song are about like um, how we're all kind of like slaves to capitalism, you know." But then at the end, actually, like the bear kind of breaks away, like kind of breaks free because it's. Um, it's an organ grinder's monkey and a dancing bear, and like the and the <laughs> and the monkey says, um, "There's like a bit in the song where the monkey is literally like, um, 
like dance for me darlings like and they kind of say like um i don't know they just talk about how like they're like stuck in like they have to dance or they have to like play the organ because otherwise they don't have a roof over their head that's kind of like they talk about like you know it's really interesting it's like the monkey is saying how beautiful it is when the bear dances but then the bear has to dance like yeah yeah you know? like and it's just really I, know, I, I love stuff like that yeah for sure um, and um, then at the end, the bear like kind of goes. The whole thing is it kind of finishes with the bear like going off to the like um, to like a cove to like bathe on his uh, on their own, <laughs> you know. And like it's like, yeah, it's kind of like this kind of like break, like it kind of they kind of break free, you know, and like go and like do their own thing. It's really it's a, like I would just say listen to that record, read the lyrics. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just I don't know. You made me think like the idea of like kind of telling stories. Like that's one of my favorite records where the lyrics are literally just these beautiful beautiful epic like tales you know yeah i love stuff like that and i'm a big like folk like fan so uh, and i it was weird because i got into stuff like josh ritter and and stuff like that quite early on um through probably listening to through probably like kevin divine and that kind of stuff and because he obviously did a lot of the like emo and punk tours but then he'd also tour with like a lot of like folk musicians and, yeah, and yeah. do that side of things. Um, I think and I always, folk and emo really meet somewhere, you know? They do, they, right? They, do. Like, like, they, they totally like, do. Completely. Well, I think that's for me, like that's, that's kind of how I, it's interesting, isn't it? Like there's a lot of emo and it's branched a lot of ways, you know, there's emo that is just straight up punk. There's emo that is like proper, like post rock. There's emo that is yeah. like folk, you know, but like, it's still yeah. kind of, there are things that they all have in common, you know, it's still kind of keep them being emo. Do you know what I mean? Like completely, completely. But I think what's interesting to me about it is branching out from that. Like if you if you're only interested in it has to be emo, oh, you no, kind no, of yeah, get yeah. stuck in that, right? <laughs> yeah. But as soon as you discover those other bands and you're like, oh folk, and then you discover everything that folks leads off, you've yeah. got like this like amazing, like so much music out there to listen to. But then I do um, I kind of think like when you look at um you know, like, I feel like you look at people that were, like, huge, like, folk artists, like Bob Dylan, right? Bob Dylan was still kind of punk as fuck, right? in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, like, for sure. That's, actually, that's like, what I saw it, at least, get, yeah. Don't get me wrong, like, there's a... But I actually love loads of, like, you know, I love Simon and Garfunkel. Like, I love, yeah, like... Yeah, completely. Really, like, you know, I guess it's, like, some of the most mainstream folk from, like, the 60s and 70s. Like, I love that stuff. Like, really love Graceland's it. is one of my favourite records. Yeah, well, I mean... Like, that, I, yeah. I mean, that is even beyond, like, Graceland is, you know, it's not even a folk record, is it? It's like, it's just... just perfection. Yeah, like, it's just like, super, like, it's got such a, like, I guess the great thing about Graceland is just it's got such a huge, like, Afro, like, influence on it. Yeah. It's proper, like, Afro beats yeah. and, like, just, like, it's so, like, I guess he was one of the first people that kind of did that crossover, right? Like, in mainstream, For pop, sure. in mainstream pop music. Like, there wasn't really many people when... doing that. No, for sure. When you know when Vampire Weekend came out, yeah, yeah. My first instinct was like, but this is like, Graceland. like <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Like, and then why is no one else like saying that this album's already exists, basically? Yeah, for real. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I love that, but yeah, yeah, they do. Like, they are like they totally rip like Paul Simon. <laughs> I mean, they even dress like Paul Simon. In- <laughs> 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 That's what I mean. It's true. <laughs> like, it's really funny. Like. 
they all look like they should be in like a 60s folk band vampire weekend yeah. you know i mean they're all like really smart they've got like smart shirts and like tucked in and like really like it's really oh. funny like i love that um that's a band i haven't listened to in a long time yeah i mean vampire weekend are a great band yeah I, I liked it a lot but there's some bands that get overplayed right like yeah for sure i liked I think... kings of leon until that album was played everywhere constantly you know all the what? time i actually um funny that you bring up kings of leon like i i made a playlist recently like where my i gave myself this brief of a playlist that was like i'm at college and i've got a crush on you and i'm making you (laughs) and i'm making you like a mixtape right um and like so it was all kind of like i guess mostly kind of 2003 to 2005 some a little bit earlier stuff yeah like a mix of stuff like you know stuff that i would give to someone i was crushing on so it's kind of like a cute yeah like collection of songs (laughs) you know what i mean but um yeah, like I put on uh, the bucket by Kings of Leon because I'd like oh, completely I was say that forgotten <laughs> about that song. Such a right? great tune. I'd like forgotten about that song, and I just remember like being a teenager, like being at college when that um, was. It, is that off the first? Is that off the first record? I think so. I think so. Like, I can't. I can't. I just I remember, remember that first record coming out and like loving it. Like, do you know what I mean? That first record was really great. Like, I think like, the first two albums they put out were just awesome. Like, the first two albums were really good, and then they uh, they cleaned up. They and, just changed uh, style. Sex like, on fire. Yeah, they got they changed style <laughs> quite drastically. Although I'm going to admit, right, I've got time for the huge like stadium pop Kings of Leon songs. They do that. Sure. They do it really well. Like they do it really well. No, no, well. no. But this, the album wasn't even bad. It was just how much it was played. It just, yeah, um, yeah. It was like walking into every shop and hearing that same that one song, pretty much. Yeah, Sex and Fire was just like everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> but to actually, be fair though, like having said that, I made another playlist recently, a rock bangers playlist, and I also put um, a Kings of Leon song on there. Uh, what the hell is the name of that song? Like. It's the one Kings of Leon song that is just an undisputed rock banger. What's it called? <laughs> um, oh, what I wouldn't. I, I'm not a big enough fan to. Uh, You'll know. To wait, remember. wait. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it. It's on here. Charmer, like. No, yeah, 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 for sure. And that's off, like to be fair, for I think sure. that's maybe off the third. That's, that's off like the third record, maybe. I feel like maybe that's the last album where I was like, I kind of, I was like, kind of into them, and then it like they changed quite a lot. But that is like just like riffs. Just like sick riffs the whole way through. Like it's such a banger. Like it's so cool. And he just like shouts all the words, you know, it's like a total like it doesn't, you know, it's not a like it's not a pop song really. Like it's just like such a no, cool no. Uh, I love it. Like there's um, a lot I, I like a lot of music from that era though. Like especially like first albums. Um, like Echo Park by Feeder is one of the ones that I oh, always like. I'm like, Feeder. I wish Feeder had kept that sound of yeah. that first album. And actually, Violent Soho, who I had on the, I had one of them on the podcast. They yeah. to me are like that first Feeder album. Yeah, like I haven't listened to a lot, a ton of Violent Soho, but I am like, I know a few of their songs, and they're like a really yeah, cool yeah. band. I mean, they've been at it for a long <laughs> time, right? They have really long time. Um, like over 10 years, I'm going to say, but I'd, yeah, I'd yeah. have to check that. But yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and it's just just good rock bangers. But um, it's just that Buck Rogers song to me. Oh, um, yeah. That, like, it's that kind of vibe massive of party, song. like yeah, yeah, yeah. massive. Like, yeah, I, I, I love that. Uh, it was just like yeah, a true, like, was cool. there's a lot of songs I can remember that are like kind of what I think was like the big like indie disco, like floor fillers, do you know what I mean? It's like you'd yeah. be, you know, you'd be out like at a night, like you know, a club night or whatever, and those like that was like you know, 
Buck Rogers by Feeder was just one of those songs where everyone likes just like, yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. There's loads of, like, yeah, there's songs that uh, I think will always be Mr. classic. Mr. Brightside um, by The Killers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Place Your Hands by Reef. It will yes. always be one for, but for me at oh, least. Mate, well, <laughs> also got like, I don't know, did you ever watch, um, what is it? Uh, oh, what was it called? TGI Fridays? Yeah. TFI Friday? What's the restaurant and what's the TV show? <laughs> TGI Fridays, the restaurant. Right, TF, was say. it called TFI Friday? <laughs> there was like a TV show um, presented by. Um, yeah, so TFI Friday, yeah, it was a, a like a. I don't even know what to kind of call it, like a variety show in the mid 90s, um, presented by, what's his face? Chris Evans. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, 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 of course, yeah, yeah. Right, and. Um, Reef recorded a version of It's Your Hands On, but for the section of the show, it's, it's your letters. It's your letters. <laughs> it's your letters. Right? And so I feel like that kind of like cemented that song like in the national like kind of conscious, right? So like, yeah. it became like a really huge song because it was just like part of like pop culture as well. Like of that is because it's part of that TV show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. I get you. Um, um Right, I've got to uh, sum up the podcast section because, okay, yeah. um, and then we can keep chatting. But uh, did you want to plug your latest release a bit more? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like uh, we last year, me and two of my uh, best friends like started um, recording a like six track. Uh, EP. I mean, it's got seven tracks because there's one little, <laughs> like, kind of reprise on there. Um, yeah, like, and again, like, that's the thing. We actually, Park Razor is a project that we started, I think, in 2015. The first time Matt, Dom, and I actually played music together was in 2015. Like, we, oh, nice. and some of the, like, a couple of the songs that are on the EP are, like, songs that we pretty much wrote, like, back then as well. I mean, we kind oh, of, we, we tidied them up, but, like, yeah. Um, and I think, again, we, like, did it for a, a few years or a couple of years like and then and then we just stopped and we just like we just stopped for whatever reason and then yeah in like yeah. 2000 2019 i think yeah like at the start of 2019 um we kind of decided we were going to do it again and we started playing together and then yeah like the end of 2019 we were like right let's record some songs we did it we like had it booked in to do it in march 2020 <laughs> so that all got like kind of messed up um we finally like got it finished recording the parts in september and then yeah like didn't get it the mixing finished until like january i guess uh but then yeah like or maybe december but like yeah like you know it was just kind of taking ages to get everything done but (laughs) yeah like it come out really um come out way better than i'd ever like hope for it like so good um and yeah i don't know if you like very like upbeat kind of like earnest emo music then <laughs> check it out you know it's like it's very nostalgic a, couple, a lot of people have said it's like really nostalgic um and i guess yeah, yeah. it sounds like bands well i don't know i'd like to think it sounds like a modern band but like it it i guess it has a lot of influence from like a lot of 90s like punk rock you know yeah completely i i i was instant fan and i think that you're right it's it sounds like a new modern band but those influences are clear and i think it is nostalgic because of that um 
it's just a certain way of coming at the at the music i think and like the levels of things and i don't know it's hard to pinpoint that kind of stuff right because it's just stuff that is with you from listening to music at that time yeah totally and, and you know what i do feel as well like you know now like someone that probably doesn't really listen to like punk or like didn't grow up on like pop punk or hardcore or whatever has actually heard way more stuff like that because there's just way more stuff kind of in that vein like on the radio anyway like do you know what i mean there's a lot of yeah yeah pop for sure music, pop music now is like it's, it's a huge spectrum like radio pop is like everything i think that like, encompasses everything <laughs> and, like, and a lot of like i guess like bedroom pop is also like hugely popular because of like yeah. social media um you know like uh ah oh, what is her name um i was listening to her record yesterday b baba doobie something like that what what is her name do you know who i'm talking <laughs> I'm not about sure no okay. i don't no, she's really huge so she's like really really popular like famous um but it's just like young uh sort of like singer songwriter um and like it's proper pop music but a lot of it sounds like what i kind of think of as kind of like you know very like 90s alt rock influence kind of emo stuff you know yeah but this is yeah, like completely. you know this is a pop star like they're a pop star they're like a one person yeah. pop star like putting out stuff like that and i wouldn't be surprised if like bands that i had listened to or like played with or were like putting out stuff like that do you know what i mean completely like completely. Do you know what i'm saying like it's it's a but there's the internet now so you've got access to all right. this stuff we it, exactly to and you can be inspired like, by it all i just think like you know there are like rappers that have pop punk tracks on their albums now like you know yeah, it, it's yeah, like that's normal sure. that's like a totally regular thing like it just ha it's just like music is way more like open now you can just kind of do whatever you want which is great right like that's that's cool as hell like i think yeah i i quite like that um the sort of like boundaries of like genre and i guess what come with that which is like the separation of people those boundaries are like falling now right do you know what i mean yeah yeah which is really sure. cool because it actually means that there's like less it means that there's less segregation of people on like cultural levels right in that sense right which we need right now you know we need to be like we need to not have kids fighting with each other because they're wearing different clothes you know what I mean? <laughs> so true do you know what i'm saying so like, true. When I, like, like it's not the time to be annoyed at the at the punks or the metal heads, right, right? It, yeah like this is the thing like when i was growing up right you know i was a little punk i was also like you know i i also wasn't a boy and i was trying to be a boy and i would like wear loads of weird shit and i always had weird hair and like you know i would just get like into fights like people would want to beat me up and like and everyone has experienced that like everyone that was like an alternative person growing up in the like 90s and noughties like has had the same experience like they totally understand that do you know what i mean yeah and i feel yeah, like that is too. actually much less of a thing now because kids so, are just like all like the like fashion and music and everything is like becoming way more like mixed up you know yeah for sure it's a good thing it's a good thing like i i all i can hope for is that people listen to a bigger variety of things yeah. and learn from but, different but, cultures but and experiences like, do you know what i'm saying i think it's super cool that like you know um yeah just like kids making punk music or harker music are like heavily influenced by like hip-hop now and like That's kids it. that are making hip-hop are like heavily heavily influenced by like punk and hardcore because they also listen to that yeah it's like because you have the internet and you can literally just like listen to everything like there's no like limit you know 
I get, think about how difficult it was before you had like streaming services to like get hold of new music. Like, hey, <laughs> like it was like you would swap CDs and tapes with your yeah. friends. Like that's how you got music, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it was to, totally like, make cassette tapes for people. Yeah. yeah. Like it was a completely sure. different like thing. You you just couldn't be into everything because how could you access like everything you had to fight yeah, really hard completely. just to find out about the kind of one genre of music that you were into like do you know what i'm saying yeah whereas now so, it's like, yeah you can literally have every single song of every single genre of music ever made at your fingertips like yeah i used to go in with ema money and spend 30 quid on cds right. and not even knowing what i was getting because right, i hadn't heard because you couldn't check it out like beforehand i'd just pick the coolest looking record like cd sleeves and be Yo, like right okay. i'm taking those and like i will say that a massive massive influence on my like musical um kind of evolution like in my teens was the fact that in Croydon where I grew up in my hometown there was actually an independent punk record store where oh, everything nice. in the store was done uh it was like separated in record label as well yeah like it literally like <laughs> I played my first ever like show like in a band that wasn't like at a school function in that shop when I was probably 14 <laughs> like oh, seriously awesome. like um that shop was called Shakes and Action Records, right? Apparently, I mean, I mean, I never met him, but apparently Captain Sensible from The Damned like, lived above it for a while like, with, <laughs> with James, the guy that like ran the shop. Like, I still used to see James, like the guy that ran that shop, around in Croydon like, occasionally because he worked like, for the, um, or still works for the home office, I think. But like, he, he moved to Brighton, uh -huh. but still came back to Croydon like, to go to work. And I would occasionally like see him around. And I would always say to him, like, oh, yo, like, how you doing? Like, I don't even... He, he almost certainly has no idea who I am, but like actually <laughs> had a massive cultural impact on me when I was growing up. Because you know yeah. I, mean? I could literally it. go into the shop and be like, oh, like, oh, like, you know, I've been listening to like this band or whatever. And um, like, he would probably be like, oh, cool. Like, maybe like check out like this. You want like this or like, yes. oh, they're on this label. Like, have you looked at other bands on that label <laughs> or whatever? And like, you know, it, I felt like, you know, I guess I, yeah, I got into like kind of, green day and like probably blink on a2 through like them just being big bands you know they got kind of big yeah. right they they broke out of like their scenes you know what i mean um completely yeah in the mid to late yeah. 90s like in the mid to late 90s i guess they were kind of like the kind of melodic punk bands that were like actually mainstream do you know what i'm saying yeah but and then, kind of offspring when uh fly here too <laughs> Fly for a white guy came well, out. Oh yeah, for real. I think actually the biggest, like the first like, big punk show that I ever went to, um, and, and I guess so mate, well, I was either 13 or 14 because it was the uh, Conspiracy of One tour, and I'm pretty sure that album came out in yeah. 2000, right? Yeah, so I think that that's probably so right. It was yeah. either 2000 or 2001. So I was either 13 or 14, and that was my first like big punk show. It was at Wembley, <laughs> and it was Rufio, AFI, and the offspring. And it was, yeah. to be fair, incredible. Like, like you know, I loved all of those bands. Um, Completely. And like, but again, like Nitro Records, like I love Nitro Records. Like they put out loads of records I really loved. Like, um, For sure. You know, the first two Rufio albums I was super into, like obviously all of the AFI records. Like, I loved AFI. Like, you know, when I, I, Davey Havoc was like probably one of the first people that I like saw, you know, that was like an idol of mine that was like a super like genderqueer person, you know? Yeah. like yeah. and like i was like in love with it <laughs> you know like 
AFI are such a good band. I remember going to watch them with um, Alex Mills gave me a free ticket because he had a spare ticket and I mm. went to watch them with him um, a few years back. And it's at that point where um, December Underground had just come out. Oh, no way. Like- um, I think, yeah, or just shortly after that, I believe. Um, but I still got it. I didn't see them like at that initial kind of like. Yeah, I saw them like a couple of times uh, when I was a teenager, like, um, and they were incredible. Like, I saw them headline the Astoria. Uh, I mean, that might have been within, like, because Art of Drowning probably came out in that. Maybe Art of Drowning came out in two thousand as well, right? And I feel like that's when yeah. they first started to get a bit more attention. Like Days of the Phoenix was like an actual single that got played on like MTV, the videos on MTV two and stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. So like they started to get a bit more attention and I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It was probably like within a year of that offspring show. Like I saw them headline the Astoria and it was with <laughs> Midtown and stamping ground. So it was with oh, like, uh, like also two bands I love, but like obviously completely opposite, like Midtown are super poppy pop punk bands and then Stamping Grounds were like a brutal hardcore band. Like, wow. yeah, it was such a good lineup and like a really cool show. But like, yeah, they were amazing. Like I, yeah, they were amazing then. Like, <laughs> that was my, fa- like, you know, my favorite era of AFI is probably, I mean, yeah, from like 98 to 2000 is like my favorite period of yeah. AFI. Like, yeah. Um, like the J, like the first kind of couple of years when after Jay joined, when they put out like Black Sails, the All Hallows EP, and Art of Drowning, like you know, like when they were like still a fucking hardcore punk band, but that's it. They also like got like the kind of subject matter got super gothy, like do you know what I mean? Yeah, that, it was yeah, like completely. It was like still like stylistically like a hardcore band, but they like made it like they had a, it was like all really like melodic, but they, they had this kind of specific, specific melodic, like, you know, the kind of the mode that they play in was a very AFI. Like they had quite like a specific Completely. sound almost. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They did. Yeah. And, absolutely. Like, um, and yeah, just like the way that Davey like started singing and like his lyrics, lyrics suddenly just all became about like being a vampire and shit. And it's just like yeah. fucking so cool. Like it just totally changed. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, but yeah, can, last, yeah. like I think, um, is it? Uh, I think "Shut Your Mouth and Open Your Eyes" was the last album with like Mark on guitar. I wouldn't. I would have been like, say a I don't, single I... second was like the kind of like the single off that record. I think, and like that album is also wicked. Like I really like that <laughs> album. Um, like I did really like that album, and like, but yeah, you know, because before they were just a straight up like really like angry like hardcore band, you know, like it was like super snotty, like shouty, like you know, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it changed, it changed yeah. pretty drastically, like it kind it of did. like yeah, yeah, um, but for in the best way, like <laughs> <laughs> like in the best way. No, like, and it, yeah, that's I love that. That's the sound that I think. Well, you can see it then with like uh, Creeper and things like that. How yeah, I mean Creeper wouldn't right, like, like Creeper wouldn't exist about. AFI, like, do you know what I mean? For I sure. Think, like Will's yeah, yeah. two Will's two favorite bands, uh Alcon Trio and AFI, like I think. <laughs> so which makes sense. Like, I mean, I yeah, mean if you ever listen to sense. our time, like did you ever listen to our time down here? Yeah, completely. Of so course. like I feel like um Midnight Mass, like the the kind of I feel which is like their opus, you know, it's like the last thing they released yeah. before they split up. And I feel like it was like almost a perfect album, you know what I mean? Like that is a great album. Yeah. Like, I could still I listen that to that. Album. I could still listen to that record. Like, I love it. Like I feel like that is literally like it's like a hot, like a weird homage to 
early trio and like the like best AFI <laughs> years, like yeah. mixed together. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> that is what it sounds like. The I thought that I need that, to re-listen to it with that in mind. The now. way he like sings on the album is like very like he does a lot of like Matt Skeeberisms. Like I feel like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I was um, a big uh, trio also, like, fan you know, for yeah, sure. I've got a fucking, I've got a trio tattoo. Like I love Alcohol <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So the first three Alcohol Trio albums, were, again, were like really like big ones for me. Like God damn it, maybe I'll catch fire and from here to Infirmary. Like I really love those three records and like all of the. They had like um like the self-titled album, which is just like all of the kind of like seven inches like put on a yeah like album. Again, like that is like amazing. Like I just love those years of Alcohol Trio. Like. Again, it's the like the subject matter and the imagery they use at that time, and it was very cool, very cool. Yeah, totally. And like, I feel like a lot of um, they got like for me, like lyrically, like trio just got a lot less like honest, like later, like as they got older. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like those, like I think, yeah, like those three albums, particularly those first three albums, and all of the other music that they recorded in between those albums, like the lyrics both like matt and dan's lyrics are just so like brutal you know like i really like love it's that true. about them like do you know what I mean? they just don't put any punches it's like pretty dark yeah. you know like they're like it's very depressed. dark like yeah. they're depressed you know they're fucking depressed as fuck and it's like i just kind of rate that about it it's like it's cool yeah. like it's beautiful and then i feel like yeah they kind of they started to get a little bit more like I know, I guess they were kind of older and more comfortable and like it just kind of showed like in the music, do you know what I mean? It kind of like they it became I like think... just it was just their full time job, like doing that band. And it very I feel That's like it, it just it started to just kind of feel like that, you know, like Alkaline Trio was a band, a very emotional band, and it kind of lost that, like it lost that, you know, as it kind of got older, you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um I Lewis, I have loved chatting. And uh, I am going to leave in the description when this comes out all the links to as many of the bands we've talked about that uh, I can find. I think there's everything still up on Bandcamp somewhere, I think. Um, so I will add it all in. Um, is there anything you want to to leave people with? I'll just say uh, thank you, anyone that has listened to this. <laughs> like, I was honestly really really flattered is when you asked me to do it and quite like nervous about doing it as well to be totally honest like i've never really done anything like this like so it was quite like yeah it was a little bit nerve-wracking but it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you yeah. thank you like thank you for asking me and thank you anyone that's listened um everyone please um be kind to each other be really really kind to uh strangers especially strangers that are working right now through everything out in shops people delivering your parcels um you know like there's a lot of people that are still putting themselves on the line like every day and yeah like you know appreciate that they're struggling as well and that like it's really harder for them to do their jobs and like just be real nice to them you know even if they're it seems like they're kind of failing you to do what they should do right at this time, just have some like kindness for them, you know. Like, I know it's difficult, but like that's 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 one thing that I would yeah <laughs> I would leave everyone with like be uh, completely yeah be compassionate to everyone at the moment because everyone's having a hard time. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's the main. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a that's a beautiful message to leave everyone with. So much uh, love and respect for you, Lewis. 
uh, thank you so much for chatting today. Um, yeah, massive love back and respect. Like, it's, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. It was an absolute pleasure having Lewis on the podcast. I've really wanted to catch up with him for ages. Um, and yeah, it was, I can't wait to hang out once all this madness is over and it's safe to do so. Um, but I've got nothing but love and respect for for what they do and who they are and and just absolute love for their output as well. Like I am a big fan uh of most of the projects that they've that they've worked on uh from the time that I met them at Real Adventures, finding out about Meet Me in St. Louis and and getting into that side of music as well. But um just the smaller projects as well. Like I loved that book house EP. Um but yeah, let me know what you thought. Leave us a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. That would really, really help. If not, just tell your mates. If you want to buy a coffee, you can do that. And if you're thinking of starting your own podcast, uh, there's a link underneath for Buzzbout. That's what I use, and it helps us out too. Plus, all the links for Lewis's different bands and projects uh, are in the bio, so check those out. Uh, Take it easy, and I'll catch you soon.